your ride ready for spring driving with Dobbs Spring Break Deals. Money saver deals you can use on Goodyear, Pirelli, Cooper, Michelin, and General Tires. Expert auto service, too. Click on GoToDobbs.com for spring break deals now. Cheap, cheap, fun, fun. Spring is in the air and Dirt Cheap is in your neighborhood ready to deliver the perfect drinks to your doorstep. That's right. All of Dirt Cheap's convenient locations now offer delivery of their wide selections of beers, wines, and all the spirits you need. And if you're like me, nothing hits better in the springtime than a nice weeded bourbon. Ask the friendly staff at Dirt Cheap about their selection of weeders like Maker's Mark, Larceny, and so many others. Download the Dirt Cheap app and order curbside or delivery. Have fun, but be careful out there. Get ready for winter driving at Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers with super deals on tires, including up to $200 on new Goodyear tires, plus oil changes, brakes, batteries, and more. For value and savings, click on gotodobbs.com today. This is the Ribs and BK Podcast on 101 ESPN. the measurable things point in the right direction. You know, he's not as dimensional. He just hasn't been rewarded as much. You know, he's hit the ball the other way more. You know, he's hit a lot of balls to the warning track, you know, especially in our stadium. Um, and he's hit some balls at people. So in that regard, you know, there is some, some positivity that he's, you know, proverbially trending in the right direction. But we do recognize that results are important and we can't minimize those. That was Mike Schilt earlier today on Carriker and Smallman right here on 101 ESPN. And Jamie Rivers and Alex Ferrario, I am so glad, so glad on a Friday morning that Mike Schilt appears to have different numbers than I do. <laughs> because he's saying that everything's trending in the right direction. Jamie, I'm looking at a uh, website called Baseball Savant. This is where I get all those expected numbers, right? Oh, yes, yes. Okay. I like the, Alex and I like those expected numbers. So there are... I'm just looking at the percentiles, and there's there's three categories where your percentiles can rank. Poor, which means that it's a blue number. Okay, so that's, wait, wait. Poor is not, not good. good. Okay. Average, which is in a black number, and great, which means it's in red, right? Okay. A bunch of the Paul Goldschmidt numbers, they're all in red. All of them, basically. Matt Carpenter's are all in blue, <laughs> which is very bad. Do you think they chose blue for ice cold? I think that's probably okay. what they were looking idea. for it's here. Like red means stop. Green means go. Well, but red in this case, Alex, would, would be mean hot. like red hot. Right. So okay. those are the underlying numbers. These are all the advanced statistics <laughs> that all of the nerds are looking at, right? Matt Carpenter's advanced numbers, they're all in the blue, which is not good. His actual numbers, the ones that you like instead of the expected batting average. Yeah, the real the, numbers. The real ones, the, the, yes. the results that we can see, right? Yes. The man can see. Yes. Old school numbers. Well, there are 132 man. qualified hitters over the last two seasons. 132. Among those 132, Matt Carpenter ranks 129th in batting average, 129th in slugging percentage, and 125th in OPS. What does high score mean? Is that bad? What does that mean? Does that break it? <laughs> so what you're saying then, partner, is that um, 
Not good. What I'm saying is that Albert Pujols has a better OPS over the last two years than Matt Carpenter. Wow. Now you're taking shots at Albert Pujols? I mean, he's been quite I basically bad. Just I heard did just hear you say Albert Pujols is a terrible baseball player. I just heard it too, Alex. He hasn't been good the last two years. <laughs> Stay hot, PK. <BK>. Yeah. <laughs> Let's look at your expected numbers after that one. <laughs> they're, they're, they're low and trending worse. Text line shows BK's expected oh, number, 65780. Yeah. So Mike Schilt is hoping and believing that Matt Carpenter is going to get things turned around. Yesterday, I was listening to the fast lane, and this is where I want to begin today's show with you, Jamie. I was listening to the fast lane, and Brad Thompson was asked, do you want the over or the under 15 starts for Matt Carpenter for the rest of the season? Boys, I was stunned with the answer here. Carpenter over under 15 and a half starts for the rest of the season. And I wrote down tomorrow's date as the start date. And I think that this is going to go under. Under Ugh. from one Brad Thompson so, for the over under 15 starts the rest of the year for Matt Carpenter. There are 32 games okay, remaining. That was my question. I'm like, how Cardinals. many we got left? So we're, we're talking under half the games of starting. What would you take if I were to propose the same question to you? Over or under, basically, half of the Cardinals' remaining games, Matt Carpenter getting the start in. Okay, I'm going over. And it's an easy one at this point because none of the young guys have given me any reason to bet the under on that one. And what I'm talking about is basically, well, actually, exactly what we talked to Danny Mack about in the crossover is Tyler O'Neill, Lane Thomas, Harrison Bader, and Dylan Carlson have not taken the ball and ran here they haven't and so until that point you've got what 18 million dollars and a veteran guy who's done a lot of really good things for your organization both on and off the field you're not going to just sit him because well this that the other no i want if i'm mike shield i want a young guy to say hey guess what give me the bat i'm taking over here make it easy on you mike shield but until then, no way. It ain't going to happen. So I'm going with the over on this one. I'm going the over to you. You guys heard Mike Schilt. Uh, he's talking about the numbers are trending in the right direction. Uh, that means he's probably going to start 30 of the 32 games. I mean, it, this I think that's high, but I see where you're <laughs> headed. This this isn't going to go anywhere, though. Like this, this experiment is going to be Matt Carpenter the rest of the season because they tr- they want him in the lineup more than they want the outfielders in the lineup. Eighteen and a half million dollars speaks loudly, and that's what Matt Carpenter is due next season. I just I would love to know what the numbers are that Mike Schilt is looking at, where they are saying that Carpenter is trending in the correct direction because I, I don't yeah, see but PK, any. What do you want him to say, though? Really? Like I sit here digesting sure. it. And what do you want him to say? He's got an outfield of young guys that is not producing. Dexter Fowler is not in the lineup. And now you've got a, a veteran guy, Matt Carpenter, who you, he probably respects tremendously for his longevity and the great career that he's had and what he's done for the team. You don't just sewer him and say, yeah, this guy's awful right now, but I'm going to keep playing him. I think he might be listening to the ESPN promo. John Lester heads to the hill for Chicago to face the Cards RBI machine, Matt Carpenter. And Matt Carpenter delivers a big RBI. Because that's what Cubs. we've got. That's what we've got is RBI machine, Matt Carpenter going up against the Cubs. <laughs> Those are the numbers. <laughs>
<laughs> Otherwise, there's not a whole lot there. That being said, you are correct, Jamie. What you said, I, I think it was your point of somebody in the outfield has to step up. Somebody has to, right? Like, especially with Dexter Fowler out right now. If Dexter was back in, I would say that the over-under, maybe that's under 15, probably very possible, but still... You're not getting anything. You're getting some stuff. Don't get me wrong, but not enough from the young guys. The timing couldn't have been worse here. And this is what I said to Danny Mack in our crossover with him. If Dexter Fowler were still active, if he wasn't on the IL right now, well, then you would have Dex in right field. He's going to start there every day because he's been quite good this year. And I, I was wrong on the advanced numbers with him. He's been sustainable. It's, it's working for him. He would be in right You'd probably have Carlson in center more days than not, and you'd have Edmund in left field. And that would be your outfield for the foreseeable future. And Or you have Edmund at third, and you figure out the third spot in the outfield, right? Like, there would be other ways to get Matt Carpenter out of the lineup. Without Dex out there, though, you're trying to piecemeal this thing together in your outfield, and your outfield has already struggled so much, and the guys that are struggling are the ones that you're counting on to be able to step up now. So there's just not an obvious choice to go away from Matt Carpenter in favor of this player. I think he's going to start more often than not. So to answer my own question, I'm taking the over. I don't know who's going to step up to force him out of the the starting lineup right now. I just don't I don't know who that guy is. Well, he's not there. So that's to your the answer to your question is that guy isn't there right now. Now I am I tell you what I am interested to see. I'm interested to see Dylan Carlson after a 3-day pause for him. You know, get get out of the lineup, go shake it out a little bit, and I'm sure that he's talked to the coaches, video, whatever they do, right? I'm sure he's gone through the process of resetting himself for a good run here, especially in these big games against the Cubs. So I am excited to see that is what comes from that. Now, I'm not expecting him to go three for three, four for four, or, or start to be a, a miracle maker here. But I do want to see how he just adjusts that. That'll show me a little something about how his maturity level is about going through some tough times. But if he gets hot, if he can do what he's supposed to do, like you said, that kind of solves one of the problems. Yeah, but the only way you're going to get hot for these guys is if you play them. And, and I mean, you got to well, give Carlson's going to play. Yeah, right. you got to give all of these guys the shot. So you need to stop with the Tommy Edmond and Matt Carpenter experience. It's the same thing that happened with Colton Wong. Now I'm not saying Colton Wong is this insane hitter for your team, but he wasn't getting the reps because they just didn't trust him. They wanted other guys to play. Colton Wong never found his game until they actually played him consistently. You're not going to find out what O'Neill, Thomas, Bader, Carlson is. Until you play them consistently rather than this checkers game of hopping over one player to put Matt Carpenter back in the lineup. I think there's a two week tryout right now. There's a two week trial period while Dexter Fowler's on the IL and fingers crossed. That's all it takes because we we don't know. We don't know if or when he's going to be able to return because of this medicine that he's taking. But hopefully things are fixed for him. He's feeling better and he's able to come back and he's able to wane off of this medicine that he's on. That was the cause of him going on the injured list. In that two-week span, they need to find out who the outfield is. Let's let's find out who's stepping up for them. Who's going to be the everyday outfield going into the postseason? Because we all believe that that's where this team is going. They're headed in that direction right now in a big five-game series this weekend against the Cubs. It all starts tonight. It is 11-13. Your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. Hopefully Dylan Carlson's back in the lineup and he's got his head straight after the three days off. He's certainly going to be out there consistently. We'll see who else is with him. With Jamie Rivers and Alex Frario, I'm Brandon Kylie. 
we figured we should bring in a Hockey Hall of Famer to liven things up this morning. Brett Hole, one of Jamie Rivers' best friends. He's going to join us coming up next. And my goal for this segment is just to find the best stories of <laughs> Brett Hole and Jamie Rivers on the road together. We'll do that next on 101 ESPN. We're back to the Ribs and BK podcast on 101 ESPN. Alongside former Blues superstar defenseman Jamie Rivers and Alex Ferrario, I'm Brandon Kylie. It's Rivs and BK on 101 ESPN. Very excited about this one. We're going out to the Brown and Crouppen celebrity line to be joined by the Hockey Hall of Famer, the Blues Executive Vice President. He is the one and only Brett Hull joining us here on 101 ESPN. Holly, we always appreciate the time, man. Thanks so much for hopping on with us today. I don't know why you agreed to do this with Jamie Rivers, but we oh, appreciate please. it nonetheless. <laughs> Well, nice opening, superstar defenseman. <laughs> Holy I, you got to be kidding me. Holly, <laughs> I, 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 hold on, I, I, I got to call my dog. Come here. You, come in here. All right. Doesn't listen any better than I do. <laughs> uh, Holly, yeah, I handed him the script like Ron Burgundy and just had him read it off, and uh, I decided to slide in a superstar defenseman there for you. Uh, I might give you that off the ice. <laughs> so, Holly, I actually—that's where I wanted to start with you today—is off of the ice because. I come in here every morning and it seems like at least once or twice a week, Jamie has an unbelievable story of, hey, have I ever told you about the time when me and Holly did X? And it, it's, it's, well, no, we week. didn't do X. <laughs> no, it, I should clarify here. No. When we did this X, Y, and Z, right? <laughs> there you go. Much better. So the other day, and I sometimes write this stuff down in the morning. The other day, he was telling me about the time when you guys were playing roller hockey and I believe it was when you were in Detroit. Uh, Holly, can you, do you remember the time when you and Jamie Rivers were playing roller hockey together? No. It was in the house, the Pink Palace in Detroit. <laughs> we had... Oh, well, okay. <laughs> so we, were, we also played football in there, too. I mean, we did a lot of things there. So, yeah, okay. I thought you were talking like real roller hockey. But, yeah, the stupid things we did in the house, when it would be uh, – very cold and snowy out was uh, uh, there was a lot of fun days. Yeah, I remember uh, the one night specifically. I do remember the football night. We almost actually ended up with a couple of injuries that night that we would have had to try and explain the next day. But the the roller hockey one, I believe, was was after you passed Marcel Dion in the all time goal scoring list. We were sitting down at Joe Lewis, and you just said, "Screw this, let's get back to the Pink Palace and uh, have some fun." What was the Pink Palace? Holly, do your best to describe the Pink Palace for us. Well, it was a house I rented while I was playing for the Red Wings, and it was built by two uh, gay fellas, and the the outside of the house had uh, neon, uh, and it was in the shape of a a phallic symbol. (laughs) At least... That's one way you would picture it. You know, some people would say, "Well, it just kind of outlines the front of the house." But, um, but it, I mean, it was everything was lavender, uh, pink. It was it was very eighties, uh, and so we we had, there was a lot of names for it. But it was uh, unmistakable when uh, we would you know invite people over. I uh, would just come to the uh, 
to the, the pink house. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> yeah. it, was, it was easy to find. <laughs> you had to catch yourself on that one. I did too earlier. I was like, the pink palace. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> We're talking with Brett Hall, the Hockey Hall of Famer, Blues Executive Vice President. You can give him a follow on Twitter as well, at HOFBlues16. Holly, I just, I'll, I'll leave this one a little more open-ended for you. What was it like with you and Jamie during your playing days, both here in St. Louis and then uh, later on in Detroit as well? Can, can you give us a little bit of what was that vibe like between the two of you? Well, it was great. You know, Jamie and I got uh, uh, along from the second we met. Uh, I'm not sure there's many funnier guys. Uh, you know, he's also – he was an underrated player for sure. Uh, didn't get the accolades he probably deserved or the ice time he deserved because he played very hard, uh, played hard, played tough. Uh, you know, was one of those guys that could easily fill in – you know, if Al McKinnis or someone went down, he could easily fill in and do a great job on the power play. Wouldn't miss a beat, maybe a few miles an hour on the shot. But, uh, you know, so, uh, it, you know, you need a, a dress room that has intensity, but you also need a dress room that has levity. And uh, Ribs was definitely the guy who could uh, <laughs> take a ten- tension-filled moment and uh, and bring – bring some good cheer and laughter to, to make everybody feel a little more relaxed. Yeah, Holly. I mean, I always laugh about that is I probably extended my career by two or three years just by being good in the room. And you know that how that works, right? When you're good in the room, they kind of leave you in the room. Yeah, you should keep him in the room. That's what we would tell the coaches. Oh, he's good. In the, he's good in the room. Leave him in there, then. So you, you mentioned how Jamie was a good player, an underrated player, but he tells me about how you had some issues with his stick. You you called it. I have, a I have issues skimmer. with everyone's stick. Yeah. Well, but that's kind of the you know, un, unless you're you know Nick Lidstrom or Al McKinnis or Pronger, you know you, you've got to have a stick that helps you defend and most defensemen that aren't that uh, superstar level, you know, they have a very long stick and, you know, it's, you know, works for poke checking and, and uh, you know, back when we played hooking. Um, <laughs> so, I mean, but that's it. And so I, I mean, I had trouble with everyone's stick because uh, that's, that was my thing. I mean, I, you know, I didn't think anyone had a good stick but me. And so, uh, uh, yeah, we called it the pool skimmer because it, it was probably taller than he was. <laughs> yeah, I remember coming in the locker room and taping my stick, very excited to be part of the St. Louis Blues. And Holly sat, what, two stalls over from me. And so we had dialogue often, mostly about how much he hated my music that I was playing <laughs> in the locker room. But... Um, he picked up my stick the one day, like held it up next to him as like a height thing, acted like he was skimming a pool, which was a hockey rink painted in the middle of the room, and then looked at me and threw it down with disgrace and went and got a coffee. I I was yeah, like, well, you can board anytime you, you want, Holly. Sticks were the same. I mean, it was, uh, you know, I've got a certain taste in music, and if it's not what you like, yours is terrible and mine is good.
Well, that is true. And I took a lot of heat from you, Holly, um, in the locker room and also on our drives to the <laughs> rink. I remember, like, Holly's a deep tracks guy, like side B yeah. on the record. Like, that's what he likes as far as the songs go. I'm more mainstream, and Holly was, like, not having it. So, not having it at all. I get the same look as for my sticks. I got it. I've changed that over the years, and I've, uh, uh, I've, I've really uh, kind of joined the ranks of like that. And I actually do listen to some, uh, some more mainstream. Certainly not hip hop or rap or anything, but uh, you know, there's some there's some mainstream music that I listen to now, and uh, actually uh, have really turned a country. Uh, page. Look at so you I'm go. Really, uh, yeah, it's uh, well, I'm in Nashville and I'm you know, I'm, I'm, I see them uh, at the Troubadour Club where I am. We have seven or eight of, of the biggest country stars uh, in the country that uh, are members at our club and so I mean, everywhere you go, there's a country song and it, it just kind of you know, and for the most part, it's pretty catchy stuff. As long as it's not the hip hoppy country, it's it's good stuff. And and to be honest with you, and I know you know a few rock and rollers, ribs, but uh, these guys, like if you didn't know who they were, you wouldn't you wouldn't know they're country superstars at all. They're just so uh, down to earth. Uh, good, you know, if you you know, Luke Bryan, if you if you put the dictionary to good old boy, there you go. Luke Bryan is just a good old boy, just as sweet as you can be. All he wants to do is hunt and hunt and fish and play golf. Sounds like our kind of guy, Holly. <laughs> yeah, I don't know about the hunting. Yeah, I was gonna say, he might take the backseat sure. on that one. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I like I like going killing and catching. <laughs> the wait, the waiting around fishing and hunting is no good. I, I just want, I want to make sure something happens. Give you a little more time for maybe a cocktail or two. Maybe a nice Codigo to go down with that. Oh, a lot of Codigo. Heaven. <laughs> Holly, in Nashville... Mother's, mother's milk. Hey, in Nashville, Holly, I know that there's a lot of country accents, but uh, who's filling the void for you down there with the French accents? There's got to be somebody who's helping yeah, you out. So, uh, no, there, it's it's void in my life. Uh, <laughs> so, sometimes I'll bust out with it, and uh, my wife will giggle because she remembers uh, the same stuff. So, uh, but that's that's it. There's no, uh, you know, Duchesne, uh for the Preds is looking out here, so maybe I can get a little Frenchy from him. Yeah, you have to try and get your fix. Because did, did you used to do a French accent or something, Jamie? Uh, yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Yes, and my water pipe. Is... <laughs> we, yeah, Holly, Holly used to make me do the French accent, and I, I, I enjoyed doing it. And I do remember the one time was hilarious. Was that your at your birthday party, I think, in Dallas, or at your wedding? I'm not sure. And it was me, you, Keener, and Carbo in a limo with uh, the wives. And Holly made me do the French accent the entire time to the cab driver, the limo driver. <laughs> I wasn't allowed to break character. I was going to get thrown out of a limo. And it's not like Pepe Le Pew. This is pure, deep woods Quebec French accent. <laughs> it is. You After we get off of this talk, 
You make him do that for you, and you will die. I'm glad that we had this talk just to be able to have that in my life after this. You're right. Final uh-huh. final question that I've got for you. We're, we're talking to the Hockey Hall of Famer, the Blues Executive Vice President, Brett Hull, here on 101 ESPN. Holly, I've learned a lot about uh, rookie parties in, in recent weeks. Jamie has told his story. We had Joey Vitale, and he told his story recently. Do you remember anything from your rookie party whenever you came up through the ranks? No, there was no rookie parties when I broke in. There was rookie hazing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> there were parties, but there it, were it, hazing. It, it, yeah, it was involved razors and heat and and embarrassment <laughs> and oh, that's not. It, it's you know, it's it's like PTSD. I mean, it's like it, you wake up in a wet thinking about it. Can you tell me one of the stories? No. No. <laughs> you cannot. I mean, uh, shoot. There's, been many, I've, there's been many a, a life ruined because of those. Yeah, it's, I'm glad it changed. You guys were awesome to me. I'll tell you that much. When oh. we came up, it was so much fun. And uh, Yeah, because yeah. now it's it's not a rookie party. It's a rookie dinner. Yeah. And you just go and have a great time with your teammates, and they just have to pay. Yeah, and I always treated so, it like – when I was doing it, when my rookie party came up, I'm like, I'm going to enjoy this as much as I can because I'm paying for it anyways, and I want to have a really yeah. good time. Uh, you know, there's some jerk-offs that, that take advantage of it and, and uh, you know, start buying, like, $750 bottles of champagne. But, I mean, you know, I, I, it's a good way to find out who's who. You know, it is a character tell for sure. Yeah, for sure. It is. I mean, you you get to some guys, they'll order just a little petite filet and and that's it. And then you get the guys who's ordering Chateaubriand, (laughs) champagne and lobsters, like 37 pound lobsters. So. Hey, Holly, before we let you go, but I, I listen, I wanted to talk to you real quick about some business talk, like hockey business talk. And it's not heavy or nothing, but Alex Petrangelo is becoming an unrestricted free agent, could possibly become that. I know we were teammates together. You went through a similar situation to where. You know, you were you were a superstar in St. Louis. Let's be honest. I mean, you put the Blues on the map. We have the Enterprise Center because of what you did. What, no matter what you say, I will always say that. And so you had came to a fork in the road to where it just didn't work here in St. Louis anymore. What? Uh, maybe take us inside Petro's head. What is he thinking right now? And is there any advice you can give to a guy like that in this situation? Well, it's different. You know, um, my situation was you know, the management and ownership of the blues at that time was completely foobarred. Uh, they had no deal what they were doing. They had Jack Quinn and Mike Keenan pulling the strings and telling them all it's like fake news. And um, so they, they had no idea. And I never wanted to leave St. Louis. I've said it a million times, um, but I played along with Larry Plo. Uh, because I love the city and I didn't want to, uh, you know, I'm not even sure how to put it into words, but I, I just said, okay, well, you know, and I did it this way because I thought anybody with a clue could see right through it that it wasn't true when I said, well, they won't give me a no trade 
So that's that's the line in the sand. So no, no trade. I'm not re-signing here, which was a complete lie because Grant Fear had one. Uh, someone else had one. And so that's why I did that so people could say, well, hold on here. And so that was it. And uh, Petro is in good standing. He's, he's a good, uh, great young player, uh, captain of the team, uh, Stanley Cup champion, first time ever. Uh, you know, but it's it's a decision and it's a hard decision to make. Uh, you know, you can get hurt tomorrow. So you've got to look and, and maybe, uh, maybe there's a team where, or maybe, you know, he's from the Toronto area or something. And all of a sudden the Leafs make a run at him. And he's like, wow, you know, I dreamed as a boy of playing in, in Maple Leaf garden or the air Canada center. And, and wearing that maple leaf on my, my chest, and they're a good team, so maybe he goes and does that, or, or maybe he goes, look, and I've won a Stanley Cup. Let's win another one. And we got a great team here, but uh, I think it, all, it, it really comes down to the almighty dollar, and if someone offers you something that you can't refuse, you got to take it. Well, I'll tell you what, Holly, I hope he stays here. I hope history doesn't repeat itself in losing a franchise-type player. I know it sucked losing you here. I was happy to catch up with you later on in Detroit, but... Uh, yeah, it sucked losing you here. I know you wanted to be a St. Louis Blue, and uh, that's certainly how I'll always remember you. Um, hey, listen, I really thank you for your time here on Friday. I know you got a lot of stuff going on. I know you're all over the place, and I know you got the dog that's running around yeah. everywhere. <laughs> so uh, thanks a lot for yeah, coming no, on, buddy. Yeah, thank you. But I, I think the, the one thing uh, that uh, St. Louis has going for him now is the solid ownership, leadership uh, from management, uh, Doug Armstrong, uh, you know, he's very calculated, very smart, and, and he's not going to be swayed um, by someone trying to pull on the heartstrings and go, oh, you know, he's going to do what's best to build another championship team. So, uh, you know, I think that is great for the fans of St. Louis because they've got management and ownership that are going to do the right things, uh, what, whether you agree with it, disagree with it, or uh, someone stays or someone goes. They're 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 not doing things because they don't like someone or or someone's telling them to do it. So that's a, that's a good thing. And uh, you're they're in good hands for a long time with uh, with the people running the Blues. Well, Holly, we certainly appreciate the time this morning, and we're looking forward to talking with you again soon. Hopefully, we can catch up with you after Alex Petrangelo is back. We got our fingers crossed that that ends up being the case, but thanks so much for joining us this morning. We really do appreciate it. Enjoy yourself out in Nashville. Well, thank you very much, and uh, hope everyone stays safe. Put on those masks, wash your hands, and uh, let's get through this and uh, so we can go back to the Enterprise Center and watch some hockey. Holly, you might look better with one of those masks on. I mean, I'm just saying. Yeah, well, I got to agree with that. (laughs) I've been told told that already. (laughs) Oh, God. All right, buddy. Thanks a lot, man. Hey, go say hi to Darcy for us. Give give her her love for us, okay, bud? Likewise. All right. Thanks, brother. Take care, man. See you, guys. You know what? You're the best. It's Brad Hull joining us here on 101 ESPN, the Hockey Hall of Famer, Blues Executive Vice President, and just an all-around incredible human being. I, I, do, do you think he liked Mike Keenan? I, I, oh, I'm i trying man. to understand here. Am, am I missing something? or? <laughs> you know what? It, it's unfortunate, that whole era, because honestly, I look back and 
the teams that we had, heck, we had Wayne Gretzky here. We had Wayne Gretzky and Brett Hull here at the same time. We had Al McInnes and Chris Pronger here. We had Grant Fuhr here. Like, we had Hall of Fame after Hall of Fame type player, and it just didn't work. And the common denominator at the time for that was leadership. It really was. And I'm not talking like ownership in general. I'm t- the, the head coach. The head coach was the general manager and the head coach at the same time, which made it really hard because if he had any personal feelings towards any one player, you know, he, uh, he actually managed the team too. So he could affect you in multiple ways, which wasn't a good setup. And look, I don't care what anybody says about my, my buddy, Brett Hull. He cared so much. And people always thought, Oh, you know, Holly is not good with the media. They just didn't get it. Hollywood say stuff and then literally like turn and wink. And he was just messing with people. That was his fun for him. And his shtick was kind of picking at people. Once you get to know the guy and you know how much he cares, you go watch those Stanley Cup championships that he won in Dallas. He was playing on a knee that was could barely even move it. It was the, torn. The, the MCL inside, he would barely skate and Hitch put him out there and he scored the winning goal. In Detroit, watch those championships. Brett Hall is laying out blocking shots. Don't tell me a guy doesn't care. And he never, ever, ever wanted to leave St. Louis. And as you can tell from our talk, he's still pissed about it. And yeah. you know what? I would be too. He's Brett Hall. He he built the St. Louis Blues. Let's just be honest. It, it is kind of amazing to me. And this this happens from time to time when you talk with, with former athletes. Um, I remember talking to Rich Gannon in Kansas City. It's a similar situation where he got replaced by a guy named Elvis Gerback. And that was 20 plus years ago. We talked with him last year while I was up in KC. And he still had that. Like It was like it was yesterday that he had just been replaced. And he was like, it's the dumbest decision the Chiefs have ever made in their franchise history. It, it feels that way talking to Hully, too, where these guys just this is their livelihood. This is them. Right. It's their identity in some ways is that for for Holy, for instance, he had been here. He grew up here. He was a blue and built this team. BK, you know, I know you're a lot younger, but the Keel Center at the time, now Enterprise Center, doesn't get built without Brett Hall scoring 86 goals. Like as a young kid growing up in Canada, you just didn't know the St. Louis Blues until Brett Hall was here. Hull and Oates, and those guys were putting St. Louis on the map. And the boom of hockey in St. Louis, it's the Brett Hull boom. People at that point decided, my kids are going to play hockey. I want to play hockey. And so Brett Hull, you know, we have Synergy Hockey now, and there's so many teams in town. That's because Brett Hull created hockey to be cool in St. Louis. The only thing I can think of with this, and this is coming from a guy who grew up in St. Louis, who was born here, who watched Brett Hall throughout the 90s and loved every single second of it, and then lived it and watched my father live watching Brett Hall walk away, well, not walk away, but be forced away from St. Louis. And it's it's the feeling of you are, you are correlated with that team. People hear St. Louis Blues, they think Brett Hall. You want to end your career that way. You want to be the guy who was on the St. Louis Blues, and you were basically told by a coach that was brought in, that was the general manager, now nah, we don't want you anymore. And you are the reason <laughs> that the imagine? team is where it was. That's where that frustration comes from. And if you want to correlate it to what this is now, you heard Holly say, Petro's in good standing with yep. the ownership and the general managers. But imagine if this was Armstrong or Tom Stillman saying, 
Petro, thanks for what you did. Thanks for the cup. We don't want you anymore. That's what Hall went through, and that's why the frustration is not just for him. It's for everyone in this city. Well, the no-trade clause, okay, and Hully's right. And you know what? He, he actually held back, which is, which is shocking because it didn't feel like he was, but he actually held back because he's a classy guy like that. And the no-trade clause thing, how do you not give Brett Hall a no trade? Think about that for a second. Because you're not going to trade him. Yeah. <laughs> Why? It'd be like saying to Alex Ovechkin, no, you're not going to get a no trade. You're the best goal scoring forward in the game right now. Pure goal scorer, but we're not going to give you no trade. Really? Like, it doesn't make any sense. And he was right. Other guys did have that in the deals back then. And how do you not give it to Brett Hall? And then it kind of forced his hand. It was not a, a pleasant breakup. And I think the thing that Holly was the most pissed about, and I don't want to speak for him. However, I have spoken to him about some of this stuff. He really, really, really wanted to lift a Stanley Cup in a St. Louis Blues jersey. He really, really wanted to be in that parade that we had last year as a player that yeah. brought the Cups. And I tell you what, Holly last year, his run was epic in the playoffs, right? He was so excited for the city of St. Louis and Bar- uh, Bobby Plager, Brad Hall, Bernie Federko, all the guys that built this road for what the St. Louis Blues are today. They were so happy last year and it wasn't for them. It wasn't for the guys. It was for the people of St. Louis. So imagine that Brad Hall has never won a Stanley Cup as a player in St. Louis but was some of the happiest he's ever been winning a Stanley yeah. Cup for the city of St. Louis. I talked to him in that parade because we were broadcasting at the time and I grabbed, I jumped on his car and was talking with him and he started crying with me. And at that point, you know, I, I had already seen Bobby Plager tear up with that. You know, I've seen Bernie Federko tear up with that, but it meant something different to see Brett Hall tear up because he was a guy who won the cup. Yep. He's lived that before. Plager and Federko never lived yeah, that. So point. that's where the emotions came from. Hall has done that. So anybody who's won a cup before is like, oh, okay, whatever. You know, we won the cup. That's great for the city. But that emotion, that raw emotion is why it was so meaningful for Brett Hall. And I mean, I'm getting goosebumps talking about it because I specifically remember the look in his eyes talking about that cup. It was the best part last year of watching everybody celebrate. It, It wasn't the current players, although that was amazing, right? It wasn't just the fans, although, again, that was amazing. It was seeing the former guys and their reaction to finally being able to see St. Louis hoist the Stanley Cup. Not just the Blues, St. Louis as a city hoisting that cup. That was the best part of the celebration. What was funny is as an alumni group, first of all, as current St. Louis Blues ownership and management were amazing to us during that run. And then to include us in the parade and all the parties after was awesome. Honestly, that was touching to say the least. But... Imagine me, okay? I, I played, I don't even know how many games for the St. Louis Blues, and I was somewhat irrelevant in the history of the franchise as far as numbers are concerned and whatnot. It's not how I view it, Jamie. But, but, but no, hear me out here for a second, because when we were unable to bring a cup to this city, and I say we because I was on those teams with Gretzky, with Hall, with Pronger, McInnes, all those great teams, we were unable to do it. And so last year, as Jamie Rivers, who is a bubble guy, a depth player, let's put it that, okay? When we when the St. Louis Blues won, I felt this relief for the city of St. Louis. It was really emotional. So imagine how Brett Hall felt, a guy who literally built the blue note in the, in the late 80s and 90s. And I remember, you know, hugging alumni guys when it was over. And it was like a powerful, like an exhale, like, oh, my God, thank God somebody finally did it for these people. And that I'll never forget that feeling. And that's something that we'll have as an alumni group of being able to breathe easier. And then we thank the guys today. I thank Petro. I thank O'Reilly, all these guys. You guys did it. Thank God you did it. Now we can walk around 
and the city has at least got one Stanley Cup. He's Jamie Rivers. That's Alex Ferrario. I'm Brandon Kiley. 65780 is the Air Comfort Service text line for questions and answers. We will get to some of your questions coming up next on 101 ESPN. We're back to the Ribs and BK podcast on 101 ESPN. I think Mark Saxon's listening to the show. Listens every day. Oh, he is? Well, of course. Saxon's always listening. He's our guy. He just tweeted out, at Mark A. Saxon, if you look at the numbers on the right on Baseball Savant, which are percentiles, you can see why Matt Carpenter's slow start this season is quite different than in 2018 when he began by hitting 140, but was a victim to rotten, batted ball luck. We mentioned that earlier today. Saxy, I appreciate you being such a devoted listener to the show. He felt bad for you. <laughs> yeah, he was like, BK didn't explain that very well, so I'll go ahead and explain it a little bit. <laughs> is the Air Comfort Service text line for questions and answers. We will be joined by Buster Olney coming up here in just about 10 minutes or so. Let's start with this, Jamie. Did you see Taco Bell is getting rid of the Mexican pizza? Okay, this is a huge problem at my house right now, okay? Apparently, they're getting rid of the Nacho Bell Grande. Too. Oh, yes. That's what? where the problem and is for me. My my wife is a big fan of the Nacho Bell Grande. And the cheesy Fiesta potatoes? Especially after a night of mm-hmm. some cocktails. The Nacho Bell Grande is in the rotation. Like, we know how, like, Adam Wainwright is in the rotation. You count on old Uncle Charlie. Mm-hmm. She counts on the old Nacho Bell Grande. Yesterday is was it, a bad day for her. Is it bad that I've never had one of the Mexican pizzas? Because I was more upset that the Nacho Bell Grande when I found out about that. Uh, did you guys see that the seven-layer burrito's going away? Here's That's my a problem question, in the BK household. <laughs> but here's my question, though, and it was a discussion we had in the truck last night with uh, me and my wife. And she's like, how do you just get rid of it? Don't you have those ingredients? Don't you have chips yeah, and salsa and You beans? know what's going to happen, though, is it's going to be the limited time only. They're, mm. they're going to pull it off to see uh. which one has has the most demand and outrage and then it's going to be like the McRib. It's going to be like, oh, well, for a limited time only, you can get the Nacho Bel Grande and the Mexican pizza for this amount. That's what's going to happen. Or there's going to be such a stir that they go, ha! Just kidding. Just kidding. Like when, whatchamacall, IHOP decided to become IHOB, International yeah. House of Burgers. That didn't last long. Yeah. It's basically going to become the McRib. Yeah. Where it's like, oh, it's back! And it really never left. No, it's always there. Was he listening to the show? No, he, well, he wasn't listening he wasn't, to me. You weren't listening. He always tunes out. Ferrario. You just tuned out. Come yeah. on, come clean. Did you, you mention the McRib? Yeah, Alex specifically said it's going to end I'm, up like the McRib. I'm a little, I the Ferrario. I'm a little offended because now it's true that you just tune out when I listen, when no, I talk. that's not true. I'm sorry, I, what did you say? Oh, jeez. I was reading something. <laughs> they're getting I'm out. They're getting rid of their shredded chicken. You're really disturbed right now. Are you cry How do you get rid of shredded chicken? <laughs> what? <laughs> Are they going to the chicken nuggets it's now? Like, it's like going to a barbecue place and hey, uh, we're out of barbecue sauce. Yeah, we're out of barbecue sauce. What are doing? You're a Mexican restaurant. You don't have today. shredded chicken? I don't, I don't understand. Okay, this is going to be a problem. It's going to be a real problem. I say, you know what, BK? Let's do this. At this commercial break, Actually, I'll let you do the interview with Buster Only. Why don't you drive into the commercial break to go to Taco Bell and call us and argue with the people at the front desk. I See, they're, they're, they're not the ones that made the decisions. I mean, if we could get, like, the CEO of Taco Bell on, Ferrario, go ahead. Mike Ryder, get on that. If you could book them for us, we would yeah. we would very much appreciate that. Mike Ryder, that. get the CEO of Taco Bell on with us. Yeah. Get me Taco Bell. Done. with that? Write cool. that down. Okay, good. 65780 is the Air Comfort Service text line for questions and answers. Guys, based on where we are at today, are you feeling confident that Alex Petrangelo will be back next season? That's from the 314. 
Wow. Um, look, I, I'm feeling more optimistic today than maybe I was a week ago. Uh, and I was pretty optimistic about it then. I just think... I know that it, it comes down, according to Doug Armstrong, which he's right, it does come down to a mathematical equation, especially in, you know, the financial situation that the team and the league is in right now with all this pandemic stuff going on. I just think that the Jake Allen move was a domino move, and hopefully other dominoes start to move out of the way and he can get it done. I, I really firmly believe that Alex Petrangelo should be a St. Louis Blue for life. I'm very, I'm, I'm very optimistic still that this will get done. I have confidence that he's going to be a blue for life. But Hull said something interesting there at the end about just the way that the Blues front office works. And if they do make the decision, and I know we've talked and we've talked to analysts that say, look, if you lose Petro, your Stanley Cup window closes. If they do decide to go another way where they can't bring back Petro, I'd be very curious of what that offseason looks like because I can see Doug Armstrong wheeling deal in another direction with that extra money to see if he can do something to make themselves a Stanley Cup contender again. I'm less confident right now than I was at the end of the season. I, When the season ended, I really had a feeling that they were going to be able to and they would bring him back. The more I listen to people both nationally and locally... <laughs> the more I just wonder if they're going to be able to make it happen. And I hope they can. I really do. I want them to bring him back. But I, I, it feels so obvious to me, and yet it feels like it's so difficult for them to be able to get to that term. And I, that's that's what I worry Today about. would have been the day to do it. Did you see what today anniversary of yeah, was? Yeah, the three-year three entry level. Imagine if the Blues would have announced that. Oof, that would, would have been, been nice. nice. It would have been romantic, as they say. 65780 <laughs> is the Air Comfort Service text line for questions and answers. One more for you. Jamie, what would it take, this comes from the 314, for you to give us your French accent on the radio? Oh, my goodness. Um... Is that it? It <laughs> doesn't take a whole lot. Holly used to love it because I had these two old French guys where I was up in Canada, in Quebec, and my, my lake house was in this little wee, like, ten cottage little village. And the, the old guys that lived behind me and kind of catty corner over here because my parents were beside me, my brother was beside me. We were all along the waterfront. It was awesome stuff. Well, these guys took care of my place, like, when I was playing hockey. And so they knew my place inside and they'd always come over and want to chat about anything, right? And so he, Holly loves the water pump story because my water pump like broke down and they came over after a couple of beers and had to describe it to me you know how it broke down and what was going on and it was like a big ordeal right and the first guy Roy comes over he's like hey Jimmy I just wanted to tell you that uh, your water pump in the winter it did it, it shut down and we had to get in there it was cold and he goes uh, and so Holly used to love that he'd be like hey Jimmy tell me about the time back in cold Canada you're playing ice hockey <laughs> There's no way to follow that up. Can, can I petition something? The crossover today. Let's have Jamie just do the in entire character? crossover in character. Okay. Do we have Ronge today? We no, have Ronge yesterday, Ronge. Right? I think it's going to be either BT or Stalter. I should just start answering. Ah, BT, I like your analysis the whole of the thing, Cardinals. The whole segment needs to be <laughs> Jamie Rivers' French accent in the crossover. All right, I'm ch I'll take the challenge. <laughs> With Jamie Rivers and Alex Ferrario, I'm Brandon Kiley. Buster Olney is a national baseball insider for ESPN. He's going to class up this joint coming up next. What does he think about the upcoming free agency period? Because as I was looking last night about the available bats for the Cardinals, 
Didn't feel great, boys. We'll ask Buster only about how that's going to go coming up next on 101 ESPN. We're back to the Ribs and BK podcast on 101 ESPN. We're back to the Ribs and BK podcast on 101 ESPN. Big series this weekend for the Cardinals. Cardinals versus the Cubs up in Chicago. Sunday's game will be Sunday night baseball over on ESPN. And we go out now to the Brown and Crouppen celebrity line to start talking about this series. Buster Olney is a national baseball insider for ESPN and ESPN.com. You can give him a follow on Twitter as well. He is at Buster underscore ESPN. Buster, we always appreciate the time, my friend. I saw a tweet from you earlier today as you're getting ready for this series runs scored in 2020 fernando tatis jr 39 manny machado 32 st louis cardinals outfielders on the season 35 let's start there in your opinion what in the world has gone wrong for this cardinals outfield so far this year well they certainly aren't producing to to form and i think we always got to remember uh when we talk about performance in this weird season to borrow the phrase from joe panic of the of the blue jays in describing the year i mean it's a small sample size it's 28 games uh if this was the end of april of a a, a typical 162 game season we wouldn't overreact that way um but it is you know we're almost halfway through the year and at some point you know that to me that's the biggest question about the cardinals going forward can their offense become more consistent um they're they're going to need to especially when you think about if you know if they get into the postseason and you've got the dodgers who clearly right now are the best team in baseball and you've got the padres who upgraded significantly the other day um the cardinals are going to have to get more offense out of that group it's been a disappointment Buster, speaking of offense and consistency right now, I'd be remiss if I didn't ask you your opinion on Brad Miller right now. <laughs> Millsy is our guy here in St. Louis. And did anybody see this coming, this kind of production? I know it's a sample size, smaller body of work so far this season, but it doesn't look like it's going anywhere at this point. No. Uh, and I got to tell you, you know, through the years when I always hear evaluators talk about him, they always thought that this was a guy who was better than what his numbers showed, which is why he's had so many opportunities. It kind of reminds me, remember how uh, early in his career, Jason Wirth, um, you know, had some injuries and he had some struggles. And then when he got that seven year, $126 million deal from the nationals, everyone was like, what, what was that about? Like, why would the nationals do that? And Jason Wirth was a terrific offensive player. It's kind of like with Miller where it feels like that, you know, now he, he's really beginning to hit his stride, and, and I agree with you. And it'll be interesting to see, you know, how Mike Schilt sort of decides how he's going to use all these guys because that's clearly the area of the team where he's getting the most offense. So, Buster, that's interesting that it led me into kind of my next question there because Matt Carpenter has certainly become the talk of town as he's struggling once again so far this season. He's going to count for $18.5 million towards the payroll once again next year. He's currently batting just 175 on the season. If you're in Mike Schilt's shoes, I mean, do you continue playing this guy right now? Or what do you do with Matt Carpenter? I think it would depend on, on totally on what he was seeing in the at-bats um, because they don't, they don't really have time at this point to mess around. So if you're, you're seeing at-bats, if you're Mike Schilt, where he's competitive and you feel like, that, you know what, he's getting close, because we've all heard managers say, yeah, we, we, this guy's getting close. He's taking the ball the opposite field. We like the swings. We like the at-bats. And if you're not seeing that, 
then you know that's the one area of the team where it feels like they have some choices and some alternatives. And, and this is such a weird year anyway. I, I do think that around baseball you're going to see managers be more aggressive and say, well, we're, we're going away from that slumping guy and we're going to go with a hot guy because that's the time we have for, especially in the National League, where the context is so different. You know, as of this morning, um, eight teams in the American League have an 84% chance of making the postseason. It's completely polarized. But in the National League, it's still very wide open, and you win three games in a row, you lose three games in a row. It's a massive swing. Buster, talking about uh, veteran St. Louis Cardinals guys, Adam Wainwright, his story so far this Man. year is exceptional, to say the least. Uh, you know, how impressive has that been from a national standpoint where you guys, when you come across the Cardinals, are looking at what Adam Wainwright's doing? Incredibly impressive, because uh, there have certainly been times the last few years where you wondered, as you saw the velocity go down, boy, is that going to be it? But I really believe this, that, and I've heard this from some evaluators generally, that you know, where the sport right now, let's face it, and I'm not wild about the product generally about Major League Baseball because the sport has become this relay team of relievers all across baseball. In fact, that there was a great statistic that as of today, think about this number, 674 pitchers have been used in baseball in just these first six weeks. That's the eighth most in baseball history in any full season. Okay, wow. And that tells you where, to, where teams are going with these relievers. And they're pretty much all the same. They throw fastballs, you know, mostly at the top of the zone, and they throw breaking balls at the bottom of the zone, and everyone throws 96 to 98. Well, Adam Wainwright is the outlier. Like, he's the guy who's mixing and matching, and he's, he's not what hitters are accustomed to seeing. And I do think, you know, there are a handful of guys. Uh, Kyle Hendricks of the Cubs is another example of that where because they're the outlier, I think they're, they're using it to their advantage, and, and you love it. I do remember last year we had uh, Adam for a game in Wrigley Field, and before the broadcast he wanted to talk to him, and he just kind of had this wry grin on his face like, I'm not talking about it, I'm not talking about it, but he had that great competitive uh, pitcher's arrogance, and I say that absolutely as a compliment, Where and I've always, Jamie Moyer, you guys remember, used mm-hmm. to pitch with the Mariners and the Phillies. Uh, Jamie would throw 81 miles an hour, but he looked at hitters as being like big, dumb oxen <laughs> who were waiting to be exposed because they were over-aggressive, and I kind of wonder if in the back of Adam's mind, he kind of feels the same way. We're talking with Buster Olney. He's a national baseball insider for ESPN and ESPN.com. Buster, I, I wanted to stick on that path with you for a moment with with Yachty and Wayno. I know locally here in St. Louis, those guys, I mean, they, they are as big as you can get for the Cardinals. But nationally, how do you think this partnership between those two is going to be remembered? Well, first off, I think I believe that Molina is going to be a first ballot Hall of Famer. Uh, you know, for years we've had the conversation about it. But as he gets closer to the 2,000 hit threshold, I I think that's going to put him over the top. And so as he goes in, there's going to be a lot more conversation about what he and Adam uh, have been able to do together and and bring shine more light on it and you do wonder you know as time goes on i don't i don't think adams in the same position when we talk about the hall of fame conversation that yadi's in but you do wonder over time if you know the fact that they accomplish so much of it as a duo is going to you know, is going to gain focus and, and maybe Adam at some point down the road when they come to special committees will will be in the conversation when they talk about Hall of Fame. 
Buster, we got a young guy here in St. Louis. He's called Dylan Carlson. And uh, certainly a lot of hype coming into the season about Dylan Carlson. A strange year, to say the least. As we all know, he gets uh, brought up, thrust into action. And he's had a couple of bumps in the road, especially lately with his at-bats. Is this a player that the, he's just had three days off? Is this a player, do you think, can reset quickly as a young man and show the maturity to come back out of that and compete real hard against the Cubs? Absolutely. Um, I mean, based on the talent and what you've heard from people in terms of how they view him as a as a, a prospect. Now, I will tell you that in my experience, generally is is that once young players tend to to sort of begin to drift downward in their first taste in the big leagues, that that's a hard cycle to get out of initially. It usually takes an off season, maybe some thought process, some mental review on what they're going on. And this year can only be ten times stranger than any other year because of the nature of it. You know, we were all excited. Uh, in spring training, you saw flashes of what he might be, and you wonder how this different this year would have played out for him if he had had that type of uh, you know type of experience where he rolls into a regular season. You know whether he started in the big leagues or in the minor leagues, he was going to play every day. Instead, you get the shutdown, and then you have the summer camp. It's just such a strange year, and, and you know that in the Cardinals organization, they're looking at him going. You know, even if he struggles this year, it's not going to change your view of him big picture. But most young players that I've seen, when they get into that initially, man, it's hard for them. I mean, even Mike Trout in his first year uh, in 2011, the big leagues, he had some struggles. Willie Mays on down the line. I think that that initial uh, exposure can be overwhelming. Buster, I wanted to ask you kind of projecting forward towards the offseason because we all know that with the the yeah. revenue not being what it's what they hoped that it would be this season, there's there's something at the end of this that could potentially be problematic for teams. What's the appetite going to be for teams to add payroll after this year in your opinion? I think there's no appetite for it. <laughs> in fact, I think that what we saw at the trade deadline last Monday was the first insight into where teams are. Look, you know, the, the Yankees, um, you know, as, as rich as any team in baseball, they have the resources typically to go and do something. They did nothing. The Dodgers pretty much did nothing other than to trade Ross Stripling. The Cardinals did nothing. I think most teams did nothing. And that's because, you know, while the Yankees, we know, have big revenues, last week they laid off 150 employees. Um, a lot of teams are going to do that. And no one knows. That, you know, leading up the trade deadline, it is a story in which, um, you know, I asked general managers for all the variables that were in play in this really strange year. And the number one variable that was mentioned by GMs was the question of whether or not there's going to be a vaccine in the offseason. Because if there's not, that probably means no fans in the stands for at least the first part of next year, and that's going to have, have a huge impact on you know where teams set their their budgets. And you know if in fact you see a lot of teams, and I think this is absolutely going to be the, the case where a lot of teams take their payrolls back. We know that uh, you know teams are going to hoard their young players who don't make any money. You know that you can't walk away from some of the payroll obligations that you have on the books. You know, for example, the Phillies and Bryce Harper, they they can't change the terms of those contracts. So who's going to get killed? It's the guys, you know, who are three plus, four plus, five plus years of service time, arbitration eligible, and those journeyman free agents. They're going to get destroyed, guys. Uh, and the expectation among not only uh, among club executives that I speak with, but with agents, is that there's going to be a record number of non-tenders. The free agent pool may grow to 350 to 400 players. 
It's and those guys because of supply and demand are going to get absolutely killed. Where you know, let's say a good veteran pitcher in past years might have gotten one for ten. This year, maybe that guy gets one for three or one for four. It's going to be a bloodbath. So, Buster, knowing all this, uh, two quick questions is one how are players going to go about negotiating a future contract are they going to look for a year or two deal and then try to hit the home run with their negotiations uh what plan will they take for that and then also will there be some teams that literally just sell off players just to try to shed some salary to try and make financial situation better for them a hundred percent, they're going to be teams just dumping players, uh, and that's where the the non tenders are going to come in. Um, let, you know, let's say for example, through arbitration, a player is scheduled to make you know fifteen million. Those guys are going to be more risk than ever. And and just in my conversations with agents, I think a lot of agents are going to recommend to their players who are not going to get you know in their eyes suitable multi year deals. They're going to recommend to them take a one-year deal, and because we know at the end of 2021 they have the CBA negotiations, teams maybe by then you have a vaccine, maybe teams have more confidence about uh, where the bedrock is financially as they move forward. There are going to be some free agents like JT Real Muto. Uh, I think George Springer, the Astros, they'll do fine. But man, so many players are just going to get crushed. Final question that I've got for you is we're joined by Buster Olney here on 101 ESPN. Earlier today, we heard Matt Holiday on the station with our morning show, and he was talking about Nolan Arenado and how just making the playoffs this year probably isn't enough for him to feel confident that the Rockies are headed in the right direction. So I wanted to ask you about Arenado. He's got six years and $200 million left on his deal after this season. The Rockies are committed to $110 million in their payroll for next year. Is that somebody that you could see after this season as a, a potential payroll dump as well? Uh, possibly. I think they, that the Rockies, um, as they look to manage their payroll, are going to have to talk about it. You know, Arnado also he has a chance to opt out after, I believe, it's next year. Mm-hmm. But here's the thing. Those terms are under the old financial landscape. I don't know how the Rockies are going to get somebody to take on that kind of a contract at those kind of prices unless they eat a lot of money. And if you're Nolan and you're thinking, well, I can opt out, you're not going to get close to that deal. <laughs> like those, you know, any thought of possibly opting out, that almost has to go by the wayside because of how far back the numbers are going to come. He's Buster only. You'll find him, I believe. Buster, you'll be on the game on Sunday, correct, on Sunday Night Baseball? On Sunday, and then we also have the game on Monday at 4 o'clock. Fantastic. Well, we're looking forward to seeing you on that. We always appreciate the time here on 101 ESPN. Thanks so much for hopping on with us today, Buster. Okay, guys, great to talk with you. You bet. That's Buster Only joining us here on 101 ESPN. You will also be able to hear Sunday Night Baseball right here on 101 ESPN. Cardinals versus Cubs pregame at 5 o'clock on Sunday right here on 101 ESPN. It's 12-18, your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. I want to react in particular to a couple of things that Buster just said. He said he thinks there's going to be a record number of non-tenders in Major League Baseball. What could that mean for the Cardinals? Plus... Talked about the downward spiral that young players can fall into and what it would mean potentially for Dylan Carlson. I've got a positive spin on that. We'll get into that coming up next on 101 ESPN. We're back to the Ribs and BK podcast on 101 ESPN. Jamie 
Rivers and Alex Ferrario. I'm Brandon Kylie. That was Buster Only just joining us here on the show moments ago. If you missed it, 101ESPN.com is where you can find it. I wanted to react to a couple of the things that he had to say in particular. Uh, the first thing is he said he thinks there's going to be a record number of non-tenders this offseason compared to what we have seen in years past. And I wanted to look up, okay, what does that mean for the Cardinals? Who are their players that could be at risk of not getting tendered? And for those of you that uh, are, are wondering, well, what does that mean? Basically, if you're up for arbitration, your team doesn't have to actually give you a contract, but they can if they would like to. Um, and then you go to arbitration or you settle out of arbitration and you come up with a salary, right? Here are the players for the Cardinals that are up for that this season. Harrison Bader, Jack Flaherty, John Gant, Jordan Hicks, and Alex Reyes. In other words, I don't think the Cardinals are going to fall into that category. I don't think any of those guys are at risk of not being tendered by the Cardinals this offseason. Um, but what it could mean for them is... Maybe there's a player on another team that was their version of Tyler O'Neill, right? Where the Cardinals have a really nice grade on him. They think he can still be a good player, Brad Miller, for instance, and he doesn't get tendered by that team. And then maybe the Cardinals decide to bring him in as a project of their own. I think that's where it could impact them. I don't think that it's going to impact them based on the players that are currently on the roster that will be non-tendered, though. Yeah, I agree. Those players there, you're not going to walk away from that. And even if you don't, even if you're not sold 100% on one of those players yet you're going to retain them to try and use them as an asset somewhere down the line you're not just going to let them walk i mean unless of course the price tags astronomical after arbitration or something like that but i think jack flaherty is probably their not probably is their biggest concern out of that and to what i know about baseball negotiations they'll settle it with arbitration and right. they'll get the one-year deal and just keep moving along right so that's how it works for them. That's where we are for the Cardinals this offseason. I also wanted to react to something that Buster said about Dylan Carlson, because I found this interesting as it relates to what Jamie has been saying all along about Dylan Carlson. Buster said, basically, it's hard for young players to get out of that downward spiral. Once they get into it, a lot of the time they just stay there until they get a little bit of a reset. And this is where I think it's interesting for Dylan Carlson because he just had a bit of a reset. Now, it's mini, right? It's not an off-season where you're able to go back and look at everything and really go to work on whatever the problems were, whether it was your swing, your pitch recognition, whatever the issue was for you at the plate that season. You can't do that in three days. But I think what the Cardinals were trying to accomplish by sitting him for a couple of days and then getting today as the, or yesterday as the off day as well, I think what they were hoping for is, okay, Reset your mind. This is why they didn't pinch hit for Tyler O'Neill or Lane Thomas with Dylan Carlson the other night. Sit down, watch from a different perspective, relax, clear your mind a little bit. And hopefully this weekend, as the Cardinals go up against the Cubs, they're able to get him back into the right group of things. But I think that's what they were trying to accomplish with this. So, look, this goes back to something I said a long time ago. And. It, this Buster only just said it's a unique season and we didn't need Buster to tell us that, but it just, you know, magnifies it a little more. And I, I honestly believe Dylan Carlson, it would have been longer for him down in the minors before he got his chance in a regular setting. And a lot of times when you have a prospect like Dylan Carlson, I'll just go back to hockey. The guy gets a cup of coffee. You get him up some point and you give him a taste of what it's like to be in the big leagues. And you see, if if they take the ball and they run with it at that point, you're like, hey, this is fantastic. That's a problem we want to have. Mm -hmm. But if there's a speed bump for some of these guys in their development or right now, you know, Dylan Carlson's been struggling at the plate. 
then you have the opportunity to send him back down. And what that does, and it's it's not like, oh, he's got to reset his mind, this and that. Let's just be honest. The players that are in the minors, they're there for a reason. And I remember getting sent down in the beginning of my career when I'd come up to St. Louis. I'd have a blunder or two that were costly in a game. And then a week later, I'd find myself back in the minors against lesser players. Okay, and here's how that works for your confidence. They're still pros. They're men. They're not the college or high school kids you played against a year before or two years prior. They're men. They play this game for a living, but they're just not quite big leaguers. And that for a guy like Dylan Carlson, he'll get a lot of barrel on the ball at that point. He'll get his groove back, you know, start to feel that that flow again, that swagger at the plate. And then you bring him back up again. You give him another little cup of coffee. And it's not that you're trying to promote, demote this guy to ruin his feelings. No, you're trying to make sure he stays in that zone so that he captures what it is that makes him so good and he drags it along with him to the majors. This year being as unique as it is, it's tough to do that. because yeah. And they've already committed to him. They've already said he's going to play all the time. So now what? He plays all the time. Like moving forward. And the other thing but that you is... you don't want it to be a whole thing where it just gets at him and then he's in his own head. You, it would be nice, and I know it's impossible. It's it's fictitious right now, but it would be nice in a in a perfect setting to send him down for a couple weeks, let him get back in the groove, and then bring him back. The thing is, there's not enough time for that, right? And there's like, no even a regular down. season. If you were in September, you wouldn't have the time to do that because we're getting very close to the end of the season. The other thing is. It's not like he's been horrible compared to your other outfielders. Like he's been very bad. Don't get me wrong, but all of them have been bad. And I do think yeah, that they, they can't be the measuring stick for Dylan Carlson. Like when you're evaluating as Mike Schilt and John Mosellock, you can't say, oh, well, these guys are are not playing well either. So Dylan Carlson's OK. No, it's a it's an individual basis. And so you want to make sure that you're you know, developing this young superstar the right way. Of course. The only reason why I even brought it up is because if the Cardinals outfielders not named Dylan Carlson, were just crushing it right now. Well, then you have to take him out of the lineup because he is, he is clearly the anchor to everything that you're trying to accomplish. And the Cardinals are still trying to compete this year and are competing right now. So then it would be like, okay, well, we just can't put you out there. If Lane Thomas was batting 300, Dexter Fowler was healthy and Tyler O'Neill's just crushing the ball. Well, okay. We know who, Who's going to end up out of the lineup at that point, but that's not happening around him. So you can be, you can be a little bit more long winded with this. You can wait and to see, okay, is this going to come out for you? Are you going to be able to break out of this slump? And I think this is going to be a big series, not only for the Cardinals, but for Dylan Carlson in particular, because you just this mini reset. What do his at bats look like tonight? What do they look like tomorrow? What do they look like next week whenever they're getting into some of these doubleheaders? And I think that's going to be really telling. If they still look poor like they did right before this reset for him, that's when I think you'll start to see him sitting more often. As a manager, though, and, and as an organization, this is really great stuff for Dylan Carlson. And let me expand on that. He's walking into Wrigley Field for meaningful games. These are meaningful games. Every game this season has been meaningful. As Buster talked about, there's 30 Four percent of the American League. Basically, everybody has a chance to make the playoffs, right? Mm-hmm. So Dylan Carlson now gets to step out into Wrigley Field against the Cubs as a St. Louis Cardinal. Like that's unique, right there within itself as a young player to experience that. And now they're meaningful games. And so the one thing that they can pull from this, even if his performance doesn't skyrocket, if if it just levels off and he has a nice end of the season, great. But everything he's experiencing, it's almost like. You know, you're playing with house money because 
he's learning at the same time. He's on the road. He's learning. It's an interesting situation, but he's going to these buildings and the pressure and how other guys react to it, watching other teams. He should be digesting all of this and storing it as knowledge so that when it is a regular season, when we do have 162 games in a normal setting, Dylan Carlson has these personal experiences to pull from in a situation that, quite honestly, is on steroids, right? Because everything is every game matters at this point. So that, on the other side of it all, never mind performance from a mental standpoint, that's going to be valuable. And we talked with his dad, obviously, last week, but I go back to excuse me, a conversation I had with Dylan when he was in Springfield. This was like two years ago. I find as well. No, but he had a really interesting point that he made to me. He said he's got a really good friend in uh, AJ. He plays for the Houston Astros minor league team. He's a third baseman prospect for him. But he got a taste of Major League Baseball before Dylan did. And it was last year, I think, in Houston's system. And he said he was able to pick the brain of AJ because he went through the same battle and he said that's going to be beneficial for me when I get to the major leagues because I know I'm going this is what he told me I know I'm going to hit a rut at some point it's how do you reset at the major league level so I'm curious with three days off and that mindset and then of course with people around him like Paul Goldschmidt and Wainwright that's going to be beneficial. So I'd be curious to see what this final stretch looks like for Dylan. I think tonight's going to be big for him. Cardinals versus Cubs. It's a 7-15 first pitch tonight. We will see the doubleheader tomorrow. And then Sunday is on Sunday Night Baseball, a game that you'll hear right here on 101 ESPN. Pre-game begins at 5 o'clock. With Jamie Rivers and Alex Ferrario, I'm Brandon Kiley. Matt Holliday said something particularly interesting about Nolan Arenado earlier this morning on the morning show. We're going to see another offseason of Nolan Arenado rumors here in St. Louis. We'll talk about it coming up next on 101 ESPN. We're back to the Ribs and BK podcast on 101 ESPN. Where are the Cardinals going to get an upgrade in the offseason? Where are they going to get it? We've talked all about how they need a bat, and if they just had one or two more, we'd feel really good about this offense. Well, Jamie, MLB.com ranked their top offseason targets, their top offseason free agents. Here's a quick list of who they're non-catching, because let's be honest, the Cardinals don't need a catcher. <laughs> non-catching position players were on this list. George Springer, we all like that name, right? We're Jerry's all in brother. on George Springer. Jerry's cousin, actually. Oh, okay. Jerry. My bad. Jerry. Marcus Simeon, Marcelo Zuna. Don't think they're going to go down that path. DJ LeMahieu, they've already got Colton Wong at second. Didi Gregorius, maybe that's an interesting name. Nelson Cruz, he's 45. Michael Brantley, another name that I kind of like. And Justin Turner. That's the end of the list. I bring that up because I don't know that if the Cardinals are going to get an upgrade in the offseason, I don't think it's coming via free agency. I don't think they're going to be playing realistically in the George Springer market. I'm not sure that they're really going to be looking to give Michael Brantley a contract. I don't think that they're going to be looking for another aging third baseman in Justin Turner, even if I do like Justin Turner. I think if they're going to upgrade in the offseason, it's going to come via a trade. And that's why when I was listening this morning to Carriker and Smallman and I heard Matt Holiday on the show, my ears perked up a little bit as I heard this. It's a struggle uh, for a competitor like him 
um, when when you you're losing games and, and you're kind of again as you said they're in the playoffs as it stands now and and shoot they might get hot again and 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 get in and and play well and and maybe this does change his whole um, thoughts on on what's next for his career but I do know this I'll tell you he he wants to be in a winning environment he wants to win uh, he he loves the idea of of being in the playoffs every year in an organization that's doing everything they can to win every single offseason. And, and I think that that's been something he's questioned in Colorado. I don't think that he's, he's got the commitment uh, that, that he feels like that, that he was promised. Playoffs every year, organizational commitment to winning. I mean, that's every time we hear anybody talk about Nolan Arenado and we hear the demands, quote unquote, that he's making, it sure sounds like he's saying, hey, get me to St. Louis. Find a way to get me to play for the Cardinals. And he has six years, $200 million left on his contract. It doesn't matter. Do it. That's the hard part. That's big. Do it. I'm with you, but I'm not in charge of the Cardinals. Mm. I don't think the Cardinals are taking on that contract. I don't think this ownership group in this time is going to take on that deal for Nolan Arenado. It's tough. But why? Because why? Well, did you hear oh, 200 million b- biblical losses? But you're going to get back to the point. You're going to get back to fans in the stadium. And Buster only said it. You know, is there going to be a vaccine in the offseason? Because if there is, then maybe baseball looks at it as, OK, well, maybe we're going to have people this upcoming season. Yeah. You at some point are going to have fans back in the stands. You know what? Maybe you take a financial hit. But if this is the opportunity for you to get a player, because look, if Colorado misses the playoffs, my 95% of Nolan Arenado that I've had since the offseason goes to 99% because this guy wants out. I mean, he already wants out. And if the Cardinals are the destination and it's $200 million, and you know what? In another year, Carpenter's coming off of the books. Fowler's coming off of the books. Maybe we have a little more money to wiggle with. You take a financial hit for a year for that type of player. That's uh, a lot of money, man. And like to your point, BK, it's easy to say, yeah, let's just go do it, right? Because it doesn't come out of my bank Because that's how I feel. I, yeah, I feel I mean, the same way Ferrario does. If, if I could make the move myself, I would be all for it, right? Find a way to get Nolan Arenado here. He fixes the hole that you currently have. Let's do it. I'm not in charge of the Cardinals, though. Well, that's I'm not where, the owner. That's where I, I, my sticking point is. Is Initially, as a fan, I'm like, yeah, let's do it. Get the phone. We're doing it right now. But if you try to put yourself into John Mosellock's role, you look at that and go, okay, we haven't had one fan attend a game this year. We haven't had as much merchandise sold. We haven't had this happen. It's tough to say, yeah, by the way, Mr. DeWitt, we're going to pick up another $200 million here for you. No big deal, right? You pay cash? Like, it's, you just can't yeah, do that. I, I, I get that, and maybe I am jumping to it, but I also know Mr. DeWitt is a baseball guy, and maybe he looks at it as, hey, if we, if we are going to get back, you know, next, let's say next season, midway through the season, we do have fans back in the season. You're making a playoff push. You want a guy that's going to get you to the postseason rather than somebody that's going to keep you on the cusp of a playoff run in 162 games. Maybe this is the way for us to do that. He's a baseball guy, but he's also a businessman. <laughs> and you know what they say about business people and specifically rich business people. They're not in the money or they're, they're not in the business of losing money. Well, they're, they're not, not rich because they make bad decisions. Correct. I mean, let's just be honest. And this this business wise 
would probably not be a great decision for them in the short term. Now, long term, maybe it would pay off for him, right? Because maybe next year it makes them into a World Series contender. And now in the final year of you having Yachty and Adam Wainwright, you're going to the World Series. And then the following season, you make bank because of it with even more fans in the stands than you typically would. The merch, all of that, right? It's possible that that would be the case. It's also possible that they don't win the World Series next year and they end up going roughly the same place that they would have or Arenado falls off a little bit by not playing in Colorado and because he's going to be 31 years old and then now you're stuck with another five years and $170 million on the contract and how do you feel about that at that point if you if you are built a wit? <laughs> it's tough. I mean, look, from a pure baseball standpoint, obviously this is the guy you want in your lineup and now for a baseball culture to Arenado's point, yes, St. Louis fits the bill perfectly and we've talked to Matt Holiday before a long time ago and asked him about Arenado and he's like yeah I've had some discussions about the St. Louis Cardinals and that Nolan is a guy that really wants to be in that kind of environment um, you know certainly he's a Colorado Rocky right now and that that could stay that way for the rest of his his career or his contract rather um, but yeah, he is a perfect fit when you look at it you're like okay Who's the player that fits exactly what we need? Well, this is the guy. And for him, what team fits pretty much the description of what he's looking for? It's the Cardinals. The finances of the game right now and in general, I think will impede that ultimately. And I don't see him coming here. I also wonder if you look at it. And again, I'm not the businessman here. I'm not. But you also take into consideration when people are back in the seats, you would imagine Ballpark Village becomes a commodity again. And of course, that's into the Cardinals pockets from what they gain off of that. And even if there's not people back in the seats, you're at least going to start to see some people make their way back into ballpark village next year. I think we're going to have fans in the stands next year, by the I way. I do too. It, based on what we're seeing in the NFL some level. Absolutely. The NFL is going to pave the way. It'll either be a success or a disaster. I we're wonder sure. if baseball postseason paves the way. Like, I wonder if baseball postseason tries to take a shot I think a we're going to see it. I do. I, I, I think we're getting closer and closer to that being the reality. We're seeing it now with college football. I mean, Mizzou, I think, is having 20% of their stadium is going to be capacity. Yeah. Same thing for the Chiefs right across the state line. Like, I, I think we're going to start seeing this becoming more and more common as we get into the fall. And then certainly by next spring. Yeah. I think what we'll see is during spring training, I think they'll go back to their spring training sites. You'll probably see them do a little bit of a test run with that. And then once they get back into their home markets, we'll see maybe it's only 20, 30, 40, 50 percent. I think we're going to see some fans in the stands because these owners aren't going to eat this for another season. I I can't see that happening. Uh, my, my last part on this is I can understand the smaller markets that don't bring in enough money that say, no, we can't. You can't do that. But a team like the Cardinals, I don't put them in the same echelon as the Yankees, but they're up there in terms of finance and, and how they run the business and everything that comes into it. it you're one of those teams that – Arenado's not happy and none of these other teams can commit and the Dodgers just signed Mookie Betts and the Yankees got Stanton. You're one of those teams that's sitting there at the at the empty stadium saying, hey, I can take on this money and you're getting a third base Hall of Fame player in his future. I mean, that's something that I feel like you have to take advantage of. 65780 is the Air Comfort Service text line. We do have one text that I think makes it a good point that the Cardinals would also have to look into from the 314. Arenado's home road split, uh, splits are frightening for me, even as a Coors guy. They are. I mean, at home he has a 993 OPS, which is elite. I mean, that's among the best in all of baseball. And then on the road, he has a 791 
one OPS, which is good, but that's more looking at like you're slightly better than Dexter Fowler's. And so that's that's not what you're hoping he would be here in St. Louis. And maybe he would continue. Be, maybe it's just about his comfortability playing at home. But there are some concerning trends there about playing at Coors, and maybe that's feeding into who he is as a player. That being said... I look at the idea of having Wong, Arenado, Goldschmidt, DeYoung as your top four in your lineup. Miller. Miller. Millsy batting fifth. Damn right. Millsy's batting fifth. Carlson, the future Hall of Famer, batting sixth. And then you're putting Yachty seventh. Suddenly you feel really good, right? Dexter Fowler batting eighth potentially in this lineup with what he's been. Bader or O'Neal ninth. That's a hell of a Going Wayne right. Boy, no pinch hitting. Boy, no playing center. <laughs> With Jamie Rivers and Alex Ferrario, I'm Brandon Kylie. Let's dive into the junk drawer coming up next. We're back to the Ribs and BK podcast on 101 ESPN. We're Jamie Rivers and Alex Ferrario. I'm Brandon Kylie. Let's dive into the junk drawer. And Jamie told me coming into the break, hey, I've got a really good junk drawer today. Prove it. Come to me first. I've got a good one, guys. Okay, now what would you guys say if I said that I have something that can, let's see here, it can help you ward off sickness. It it gives you enough energy to where you only need four hours of sleep a night and then helps you with your mental health, takes stress off, and makes you just feel a lot better mentally. I don't need any more whiskey, Ribs. No, but seriously, what if I told you, you avoid, you wouldn't be sick for six years, according to this guy. He's been doing this for... Is that the red pill or the blue pill? No, no, <laughs> no. No, blue pill's three hours at the hospital. But honestly, what would I say? What would you say if I offered you that opportunity? I saw the story. Yes. Okay. I now, saw the story. All you got to do is drink your own urine. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. According to uh, uh, our buddy, I'll, we'll call it our field I reporter. I will give this a shot over the weekend. Oh, a <laughs> shot. There you go. Apparently, it doesn't need a little more than a shot. Sterile, and I like it. Uh, a German live streamer has been um, ingesting seven pints of his own urine per day. It's a lot. He must drink a lot of water. Yeah. Okay. And uh, he said that uh, it's it's the body's own vaccination. And he does this. He streams it live. So every Is there day, any science behind this or just this gentleman's word for it? Uh, he looks like a trustworthy guy. Okay. So I think that uh, <laughs> I think it'd be are. fine. But yeah, he claims that drinking his urine wards off the illness, mitigate depression. That's, you know, he's a sports coach and student and he also streams it live. So do you think he's telling his players to drink their own urine? He stands by it, guys. I'm telling you right now. He says uh, he, he, everybody needs this in their life. Now, the experts that are surrounding him say that there's no actual database that supports what he's saying. And they actually say that you can cause infection as well as other things if you get it in your uh, bloodstream. What do they know? But this guy, got he's living sickness-free for seven years right now and says that his mental health has never been better. Necessary? Is it necessary for me to drink my own urine? Probably not. No, but I do it anyway because it's sterile and I like the taste. <laughs> that might I, be our guy. <laughs> listen, I'm not saying what he's doing is definitely causing him to be healthy for seven years, but I mean... <laughs> There's clearly evidence that it is working. BK, if you're going to try this later this weekend, just please send us the video. I just have to stream it. 
Well, well, in send several us, ways, actually. And send us the video. Hopefully you have a good clean stream. You said seven liters? Seven pints. Seven pints. A day. So basically a bottle of beer. Seven bottles seven of times. urine. I'd like to clarify. Can I just drink the seven pints of beer instead? I guess well, that could. would. No, like I don't know, but he's obviously got a strategy. He's figured this out. Clarity, BK, don't send us the picture of you filling up the cup. Just send us the picture of you drinking the cup. I can do both. Nah, I don't want the first one. 65780 is the Air Comfort Service sex line from the 636. BK, you should drink your urine for the next 101 ESPN grilling at home video. <laughs> so, okay. Speaking of grilling at home, Jamie, from what I understand, is next up in the rotation. So this week, you can check it out right now. 101ESPN.com. We've got Brad Thompson's video. He does the beer can chicken, as he says. The chicken's good, too. Uh, you're up next. Yes, sir. And I have been told that it's just tremendous. <laughs> just there, there was top of the line. There was a clown involved. There was a <laughs> banana hammock involved. I, I heard that there was a particular style banana hammock yeah, involved. Yeah, there was uh, some Daisy Dukes, it's a possibly. King can yeah, involved. Some what? A king can. There was a two-way petting zoo. Also, <laughs> two-way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's when you, you have pet the, the animals, animals and they you. pet you. Yeah. Huh. Yep. It's actually pretty extraordinary. It's, it's pretty insane. But yeah, it'll be up uh, next week. We're going to be running that. And uh, it's a heck of a recipe. So you've already recorded it, right? We have recorded So I can't come over to do my portion where I drink my own urine. We can always add on okay. the uh, part two okay. to the uh, the grilling video. No, but uh, going back to the urine, guys, what would it <laughs> always honestly... Always back to the urine. What a transition. Always back well, to the urine. Well, this is always the conversation, right? You sit around your bodies and you're drinking, and you're like, oh, you know, what would it take to eat a dead animal or whatever, something stupid like that. We all get there at some point. What would it take for you to sit there and be like, yeah, you know what? If uh, X, Y, and Z were to happen, yeah, I would drink my own urine. I'm pretty sure it's what you just said earlier. You only need four hours of sleep every night. <laughs> you have six years of no sickness. Uh, I, I think that that was it. That would convince me. Yeah. Now, that being said, he does this every day. Every day, and he streams I mean, it it's got it. both into the cup and then what does the uh, What does he drink, though? So does he drink water before his urine? Does he, he's just got to obviously hydrate. Yeah. Otherwise, he'd be, you know. I mean, that just seems like a ton of water every day that you're drinking. Water and urine and water and urine. It's just all day. It's just recycled water if you're just drinking water all day. I, listen, I guess, guys, to me, it would be more of a mental block than anything. And I'd be more worried that I like the taste of it after. Okay. Then what? Now what do you do? Six, five, it's seven, sir. Six five seven eight zero is the air comfort service text line from the six three six BK. Hold off on the urine drinking until you actually put the ring on her finger. <laughs> don't don't blow this. That that might be Keith. That might be. Keith. <laughs> <laughs> or it was Kara. Yeah. Not to, we're gonna have to uh, the number check this yeah. one. I love the idea of our text line being like BK. Please don't blow this. Please, <laughs> please don't screw this up the way that we all know that you want to and are expected to. From the uh, from the six one eight text line, certainly always with great advice. Uh, can the Cardinals outfield uh, drink their own urine to start producing? <laughs> so, I Maybe think that's what happened work. with Dex. Hold on, I think I know what to do. I don't think that's how it works. I think I know what to do. All right, Lane Thomas, he can hit. Tyler O'Neill, he doesn't know how to hit. Dylan Carlson, he can't get a hit out there right now. They all stink. There's no way they're getting any hits this weekend. They're gonna go 0 for 20 combined tonight. BK add in. Why are they even in this lineup? Why are they even in this lineup? Okay, we're good now. Matt Carpenter can't hit either. He's old and washed and not an RBI machine anymore.
All right, I think you guys are good. I think you're good. You're going to be just fine. I think you're good. Just I think fine. Cardinals are going to go 0 for 5 this weekend. Let's put it that way. Be a real pisser. With Jamie Rivers and Alex Ferrario, I'm Brandon Kylie. I'm going to move right past that. Hell coming, yeah. <laughs> coming up next. Are you buying into this? Because I think I am. I'll tell you what that is. Coming up next on 101 ESPN. We're back to the Ribs and BK podcast on 101 ESPN. We're back to the Ribs and BK podcast on 101 ESPN. There's a psychological thing here to, to talk about Cam Newton in a way that, that Bill has and, and just recently talked about how great he has been since he's walked into that building. So when I see that he is the captain and then name the starter on the same day, it doesn't surprise me because they want him to be high in confidence going into week one, going out there to try and execute at a high level. That was Rob Ninkovich, the former outside linebacker for the Patriots, talking about the new quarterback for the Patriots, oh, Cam Ninker. Newton. Huh? Oh, Ninker. Ninker poop. Yeah. Wasn't sure what she said there. Uh, Cam Newton is now the starting quarterback for the New England Patriots. And not only is he the quarterback, Jamie, He's your captain. Yeah. As your deal, on captain. By his teammates. And listen, I know people might laugh at this. I do think this is a big deal because we were told all offseason by a lot of teams that weren't apparently interested in signing Cam Newton. Hey, there's a lot of stuff that comes along with having him as your quarterback. Well, apparently that stuff includes Bill Belichick, who's not exactly known for handling nonsense, calling him one of the best competitors that he's ever been around. His teammates seeing him in practice for, what, a month and deciding, yeah, that dude should be a captain for us. Not only is he a good player that's going to be our starting quarterback, we view him as one of the leaders of the team. I think they have six for offense and defense total combined between the two sides. I'm starting to buy into... The Cam Newton experience. I'm starting to buy into the Patriots. I've always thought that they were going to win nine, 10 games this year because Bill Belichick does that no matter who's at quarterback. I'm getting more and more concerned about my pick of the Bills as the winner of that division at this point because of what we're hearing about Cam Newton. Yeah. Okay. So here's where I am with it. And obviously, look, I'm a Patriots fan and I have been since 2000. So now that being said, I also know this about Bill Belichick. This could be a Jedi mind trick he's playing here. And the fact- I would agree with you if it wasn't the players that voted on this. Because this is the play his teammates are voting How can on the you captains. Agree I wasn't done. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> that Bill Belichick got a hold of some of the players and said, Hey, listen, here's what we want to do. We want Cam's buy-in. We want him to be our captain. We're gonna. He's had some bumps in the road in Carolina, this, that, the other. He is a competitive guy. And Bill Belichick now is mentally inside Cam Newton's head saying, you're the guy. You're one of the most competitive guys I've ever had. And guess what? Oh, yeah, your teammates, too, at the same time voted you. It changes this guy's mindset. If you ever want somebody to buy into your culture, make them feel like they're part of the process. And so I'm not saying that's what's happening. I don't know. Obviously, I have no idea. But Bill Belichick is kind of like the the emperor, right, uh, of the, the Jedi force. And he could be that guy that is in the guy's heads and actually turning Cam Newton into what Bill Belichick wants Cam Newton to be. I can see it to an extent, but I, maybe I'm wrong here, Jamie. Probably. I, I Probably wrong. That's typically how it goes. <laughs> um, I don't think that 
Belichick would go to the players and say, I want you to vote for this guy as the captain. No, he might say, though, what do you think of this? Here's my thought, right? Because these guys are obviously leaders, too, in the locker room. The guys that he probably petitioned or talked to about it. He probably said, listen, hear me out. This is what I'm thinking here. This guy has the potential of helping us win our division. He needs to feel like he's part of this. He's been a, a captain and leader other places. He's the new guy in town. What do you think of the idea? Let's give him a shot here. Let's give him a, like I've seen coaches do that in National Hockey League in places where they talk to their leadership group and say, hey, listen, this is what I'm thinking. And I know that to, to some degree that happened here in St. Louis when Chris Pronger was named captain. You had Al McKinnis sitting right there. You don't think Al was like the veteran guy. But no, you know what? We had a group of leaders that agreed that Chris Pronger, he has the capabilities of being an incredible captain and being an incredible player. And he was handed that opportunity with a great supporting cast. You also have to be good enough, though, to have it, right? Like Pronger wasn't just, hey, just give it to him. We'll, we'll figure it out from no, there, right? I, no, like, absolutely not. And so that's that's where I think it is important for Cam because based on the way that some people were talking about him in the offseason, it would have felt more flippant if they had given him this role, right, of being the captain. This feels like he's earned it at the very least. He's been out there with his teammates and the coach calling him a competitive, um, one of the world-class competitors he's ever been around. His teammates clearly are buying into him. Mm -hmm. I do think there is something to it. And when you put that along with the fact that they've still got Belichick as the coach, I don't know, man. I, I'm I'm having second thoughts about picking the Bills to win the division. I probably still will pick them, yeah. but I was really confident about that pick earlier in the offseason. And now after hearing more of some, more of the reports coming out of New England and how this wasn't even a real competition between him and Stidham, Cam was always going to be the number one guy and then he earned the respect of his teammates. I, I think that I'm having more confidence now in the Patriots to be one of the top contenders for a wild card at a minimum than I am about the Bills winning that division. Yeah, I'd like to. Listen, I, I like what you're saying. I hope that's true. I still do worry, though, at the end of the day about the number of players that opted out. Out and just their importance to the team, I think that's going to be a tough void to fill as well. Yeah, that's the part that gets me with that team. You can talk Cam Newton all you want, talk about Sony Michelle and Nikhil Harry, but they've lost six of their main guys on the defensive side, and that is a huge blow to that Patriots team. So the other big story in the NFL yesterday was Deshaun Watson is reportedly getting close to a contract extension with the Houston Texans. Uh-oh, Bob's opening up the checkbook. <laughs> Bob even Appar- have a checkbook? I found it to be interesting that he's reportedly looking at closer to a three or a four year deal, which seems to indicate he's not all the way bought into <laughs> what the Texans are doing down there. He's just going to like dip his toe in the water to see, OK, is this really where I want to be long term or am I still going to keep my options open down the uh, down the line? But he is nonetheless working on a contract extension with the Texans. Brought up an interesting question to me. Who do you think is going to be the Robin, the number two to Patrick Mahomes in the AFC over the coming years? Because we've seen this right with Tom Brady. He always had Peyton Manning in the AFC. If you go back in history, John Elway and and Brett Favre, um, Marino and Montana, like there's always been that Robin to the Batman, depending on the era that you're looking at. Who do you think that guy is going to be for Patrick Mahomes in the coming years? I think it's easy. I think it's Lamar Jackson. 
Yeah, I'd say Lamar I Jackson, mean, too. You look at the guy, he's a, he's a superstar as well, and he's a great quarterback, and he just crushed it last year. But he still finished second to Patrick Mahomes as far as the Super Bowl is concerned. At the end of the season, Mahomes was better because he won the championship. And he had an injury along the way last year. And he, who knows where the numbers end up here. So, But I think Lamar Jackson is definitely the Robin to Mahomes as the Batman. I would have said to Sean Watson if they would have kept DeAndre Hopkins there because, I mean, the only reason you talk Manning and Brady is because those two always found a way to see each other in the postseason, yeah. and they would always compete. Lamar's problem is he can't get past that first round of the postseason. Now, when he gets that over that hump, then, yeah, I think it's Lamar, but it, I would have gone with Deshaun, but because they got rid of that weapon, I just don't know if Deshaun Watson can continue to dominate in the regular season without somebody that big to throw to. I think it's going to be those three in the AFC. I, I would tip, I would probably side on in, in favor of Deshaun Watson. I just think over the longevity of his career, I think, I think Deshaun is going to be seen at the end of their careers as the better quarterback than Lamar. What do you think about in the NFC, though? Because that's where the young quarterbacks are really thriving right now. You look at Dak Prescott and uh, Carson Wentz. You, you look in the NFC West. You've got Jimmy G. I know there are some that are big fans of him. You, you've got <laughs> Jimmy Kyler. G. Is one of those guys where I just don't know if he'll ever get the respect. Like even if he wins the Super Bowl, I feel like people would be like, "Ah, eh, was lucky." It's going to take a big statistical year for him to be able to get over that hump. And then Kyler Murray, I think, is the one that a lot of people are expecting to take that really big step this season. For me, I think I would go with Dak as the guy in the NFC. As the Batman? I, no, the Robin. Oh. I, to, I was like, wait, what? I'm looking what? like at the top of what the list. What just happened right? here? If you're looking at blacked out. Patrick Mahomes and then the competitors below him to kind of be yeah, yeah. that, like always punching up, so, right? Trying to get that to that number one spot. I think Dak in the NFC and then Kyler kind of nipping at his heels would be the number two in that. Okay, so you're so you are picking Dak as in the NFC. In yep. the NFC. I thought he just said he wasn't. No, he said he was the not Robin. over Patrick Mahomes. Well, I know that, but we're in the NFC now. Okay, then yes. The, okay. the, 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 oh, so the Dak Batman is the in Batman. the NFC. Yeah, they see, to Ooh, my point, I, I just said that. I think I would put Wilson as the Batman still. Yeah, that's where I'm I at. would. I would put Dak as the Robin. Yeah. Because I, even if he's not with Dallas, wherever he goes, he's going to be the quarterback you're talking about. And it, I mean, it used to be Jared Goff whenever that was an actual thing for a year. But <laughs> That was a good one. Yeah, I think Dak is Robin, and I think I would put Russell as my as my Batman. I'm with Ferrario on this. I should clarify, I didn't have Russell Wilson in that same category just because of his age. He's 31 this oh, year. So I didn't know there was, I was more. Thinking about the now young, there's an young, age guideline. Now there's like disclaimers, and now we've got parameters. One got to go. <laughs> BK, Ribs, and Ferrario. I think we all know the choice for that one. It's obviously me. We'll play that game coming up next on 101 ESPN. We're back to the Ribs and BK podcast on 101 ESPN. One gotta go. 65780 is the air comfort service text line. If you would like to throw some our way, you get four option. One has to go. <laughs> Let's start with Taco Bell items removed from the menu. One of these has to go. So they're already gone, frankly. But you get to save three of them right here, Jamie. Too soon. Okay. Nachos Bel Grande. Seven layer burrito. The Mexican pizza. Or the cheesy Fiesta potatoes. So I save one or I eliminate one and save three. You're eliminating one, you're saving three. 
I did that on purpose. I know. I'm going to eliminate the seven-layer burrito. Ooh. I know. That's just me, right? Ooh. You didn't ask me, like, what you would eliminate. You asked me what I would eliminate. I'm reacting he to did. the poor choice. He did. It's not a poor choice because... Uh, my wife loves the Nacho Bell Grande, so happy wife, happy life. We know that one, right? So we got to keep mm-hmm. that one round. Uh, the cheesy Fiesta potatoes, I'd rather enjoy. And the pizza, I think it speaks for itself. Why not have a little Mexican pizza? So for me, the seven-layer burrito, you're out. Cheesy potatoes. Get the hell out of here. Those are nasty. I don't even know those, you anymore. Those are, those are disgusting. Out of the other choices, those were the nastiest ones at Taco Bell. I'm not getting cheesy potatoes from there. You want something to soak up some of that Jack Daniels? There's, There's plenty. Cheesy potatoes are There's plenty delicacy. to do that. No. Cheesy potatoes. <laughs> Get the hell out of here. He's absolutely correct. Oh, Jamie, God. you picked a terrible can choice. Can I change my, now, I change yeah, my pick? What do you think, Ferrario? <laughs> BK agrees with uh, you. Now what do you think? Pick. I, I, I trust BK with his food choices. Do you? No. Most I really of our don't. audience does not. <laughs> I really don't. I mean, I even, I will come to your defense here. Please don't no, say yeah, that. Right. I really don't. Are these things on? I wouldn't recommend saying that. Hot mic. 65780 is the air comfort service tech sign for one's got to go. One's got to go. Young quarterback sedation because this went so well for us in the last segment. I'm going to come back to it. What's the age stipulation here? I've got four of them for you. One has to go. You've got your option set. Joe Burrow, Tua, Drew Locke, Josh Allen. Joe Burrow, Tua, Drew Locke, or Josh Allen. One's got to go, Jamie. I don't know if this will be popular or not. I think it's a no-brainer for me. Uh, Josh Allen. Got to go. I think it's a no-brainer. I think Ooh. that Drew Locke, I'm not going to do that. That's our Mizzou guy, right? You can't yeah. do that to Drew Locke. It does take a beating from everybody. And I thought that, you know, he did pretty good, and I think he's got a bright future. Tua and Joe Burrow speak for themselves. I think they got tremendous upside. So for me, as unpopular as that might be amongst you football people, I'm Josh Allen. You're out. Tua's going to go for me here. And I, I, wow. I, I know the injury Surprised still scares you. me. It still scares me. And I know everyone said he's 100% and he's going to be fine. You know, Tom Brady hurt his knee one time. Then he won five more championships. And his knee wasn't his arm. That's a good point. <laughs> it just, it, I don't know, it scares me. If they, if they were so gung-ho on Tua, I think you'd be talking about him already going into this camp as the number one. But I think you're a little hesitant with him. Drew Locke's Drew Locke. I mean, I loved what he did in Denver. Uh, you can't go anywhere with Joe Burrows without talking about this guy in Cincinnati. And I actually thought, other than that just god-awful playoff performance by Josh Allen, I thought he performed pretty well. He just needed some weapons. He's got weapons this year, so two is going to go for me. So he did good except for when it counted. He was young, Ribs. I, I, I'm just trying Have to clarify. Have you ever made a mistake in something you've never done before? No, because he didn't That's play true. me in those games. I mean, did you hear him when he first started radio? <laughs> he was amazing. He was amazing. He came hey, in I, and it was like, wow. I saw him when he stepped on the ice. I'm like, holy, who is this guy? Is this guy. Who let this guy out of the cage? It's Rob Blake? 65780 is the air comfort service sex line from the 636. One's got to go. BK's grilling, drinking your own urine, or watching BK change a tire. Uh, I'd get rid of the grilling because I want to see the urine and changing the tire. We don't know if those can actually happen. I'd like to see both of that happen. Yes. To answer the question at hand here about the young quarterbacks, the correct answer, unfortunately, is Drew Locke. Ooh, do you, just, what? Do you just throw your the Mizzou guy answer, out? Unfortunately, is okay, that's like twice now in he, the last he while. He doesn't like Mizzou. He talked about Mizzou. It's going to be a blowout against Alabama. Talked about this. this Every is, Mizzou fan listening, right? Now why, with me. If you're truly a Mizzou alum, you, you go. You know what? I, I, I'm. It's a ride yeah. or die with my team. This is why Eli Drinkwitz will never come on the show yeah. again. Oh come on! Drew came on with Stahl tonight. He came on with us too. Did he? Yeah. yeah. 
I'm just kidding. <laughs> Blacked out there for a minute. Josh Allen is maybe my favorite quarterback in the league to watch. Well, you better be. You got money on the Bills. Now, Josh Allen, <laughs> the reason why I enjoy watching him is because literally anything can happen on any play. It's true. <laughs> you never, you, something that you have never seen before in the history of football could happen every time that he takes a snap. Like he may throw an interception unlike anything you've ever seen, or he could throw it 80 yards in the air to a wide open receiver. You're just not sure what's about to take place. It's pedal to the metal at all times. <laughs> it's like watching Mad Max quarterback edition. It's unbelievable. That playoff game was Mad Max quarterback edition. That was rough where he went backwards and like three. Yeah, like, hey, I was bad. I'm just going to toss this ball over there. I lost yeah, so much money on that game. Let's oh, keep my him. God. Me too. Oh, let's keep him. That's when I learned not to bet against. <laughs> I learned my lesson. Deshaun Watson. Yep. <laughs> Six, five, seven, eight, zero is the air comfort service text line for one's got to go. By the way, you could check out the FanDuel's Paradise Sportsbook. That's where I'm doing all of my betting this fall. Use the promo code Brandon. That's B-R-A-N-D-O-N. One got to go dessert edition. Cake? What kind cake. of cake? Whatever your favorite kind of cake is, James. <laughs> it's just time. That was that. the. That was the. I'm done with you. All right. So we got cake. Go ahead. Cake. Your favorite kind of cake. Let me clarify here. <laughs> peach cobbler, not just any cobbler. Peach cobbler. Okay. Kind of cobbler. Bread pudding, or sweet potato pie. Again, guys. I don't know if it's popular. It's easy for me. Sweet potato pie. Got to go. Yeah. I just for me like. I know people love it, this, that, and the other, but nah, for me, sweet potato pie, yeah! If you would have thrown something other than sweet potato pie in there, I would have gotten rid of bread pudding because that's just disgusting. You don't like bread pudding? No, it looks like mush. It's just not, uh, it's not good. But it can taste really good, though. I don't care. Sweet potato pie. It tastes delicious. Sweet I didn't potato- know it was a fashion so show. So I have a fun story about sweet potato pie. So I was in a uh, football bet at my previous job, and the loser of the week, it was on Thanksgiving, had to take a pie to the face. And I'm like, okay, cool. I lost. We were planning a pumpkin pie. The guy that bought the pie bought a sweet potato pie and didn't tell me. Got a sweet potato pie in the face, and it was just disgusting. Sweet potato pie is significantly no. better than pumpkin pie. Oh, my God. That is just <laughs> that is the worst Sig- take I've oh ever heard. God. Significantly think, better than pumpkin pie. I feel deja vu. Have we been here before? This was a terrible thought. I feel like this happens every week. Yeah. I feel like it happens every day <laughs> where I say something and you both look at me like I have seven eyes. Oh. That was I threw an eight eye in that one because that's a terrible thought. Goodness I don't man. feel like it's a bad thought. America loves pumpkin, pumpkin pie. pie. Yeah, pumpkin pie is not good. It's not good. I actually don't even have words right now. I got words. You are one pathetic loser. That's nicer than I was going. Pumpkin we'll save that pie? for off How do you have Halloween and Thanksgiving without pumpkin pie? You eat pumpkin pie on Halloween? Anytime oh, yeah. I can get it. It's yes. pumpkin. It's pumpkin. I, I eat, eat for Easter if I, I could. I eat pumpkin pie on Arbor Day. No, what? you don't. No, I don't. That's a lie. I don't that's, even know when Arbor Day is. a bull face lie. Okay, well, you know what? Now I'm going to eat it on Arbor Day this year. <laughs> Six, when five, is seven, it? Eight, I don't know. Exactly. <laughs> 65780 from the 618. What in the actual hell, BK? I will literally fight you over your hatred of pumpkin pie. <laughs> Tell this boy he has to leave I right love, now. I love people that say, I will fight you over that opinion. Here's why I think pumpkin pie is trash. If you have to have a specific day to eat something, it's probably not actually that good. You're telling yourself a story. Turkey sucks then, yeah. right? Because we only eat Thanksgiving. Yeah. Ham sucks. At, yep. the, the regular turkey that you would typically make, not good. Not good. Not good.
There's a reason why we only eat it one day. A birthday cake must suck then too. If you're, yeah, that's a good point. Well, you eat cake on other days. But why, right? Let's go back to your turkey thing here for a second, yeah. because if you're saying pumpkin pie, it's prepared and served the same way. No matter what day of the year it is, if you have a pumpkin pie, you make it the same way. Yeah. So if I'm saying Thanksgiving turkey, that means you're providing that meal every time too. So how can you say that sucks? The the Thanksgiving turkey itself yes. that you would have. That Just is. instead of calling it Thanksgiving, take that turkey, turkey and put it on a Saturday or a Friday or a Thursday. You're saying you've yeah. never made a turkey before other than on Thanksgiving. And that you hate Thanksgiving. You? Yeah. He basically just said he hates Thanksgiving. Like the whole yeah. the whole bird. You've not made a, the bird of a not turkey. Not a 50-pounder, well, but I've made not small with all its turkeys feathers before. and stuff. Yeah, no, that's, but that's we've true. made it. Yes. Did you make it with the feathers typically on Thanksgiving? One time by accident. Fry it up. And I'll tell you what, it's a nice crust. That was in Canada. Six five seven eight zero is the air covered service text line from the three one four. Nothing truer has ever been said on this on this show. I hate everything that BK says about sports. <laughs> We're not even talking about sports, right but now. he is such a food genius. Oh, what? What? Oh yeah, but he just added Did that. Send that in. I'm looking no, at Keith the text line. Doesn't that. say that. Oh, you made that up. I'm not usually on the I hate BK train, but this is such a bad take. Are Girl Scout cookies rubbish because you can only get them one time a year? No, because yes, they are 314. You got them. They are only offered once a year. You can go buy a massive turkey bird at any point during the calendar year. Yeah. Guess what you don't do? What? Grab that bird in mid-June and say, you know what, family, this weekend, while we have everybody over, we're going to make this massive bird that's dry and bad well, and then, not good. Okay, so here's the problem is somebody you know doesn't yeah. cook it right. So don't, you're talking yeah. trash about somebody here in your family yeah. that's cooking bird. Th- th- this is the problem. You've tasted bad pumpkin pie. You got to have better pumpkin pie. You gotta have better turkey. Who makes dry turkey? Yeah, turkey. I don't understand. That's really your problem. Turkey is dry. You don't put gravy on it? I, uh, we do Thanksgiving it, it, like every other month my my wife will go like, hey, we're gonna do you know Thanksgiving dinner. And now it's not the whole spread, but you get the bird, the stuffing, the gravy, the mashed potatoes, and we it's hammer like it the can, the so can, cranberries, trash. You basically just trash. said my wife is trash. That. No, you, you just called Shannon Rivers trash. That. I just heard that. I, I don't she agree with that at all. I'm sure she makes a wonderful Thanksgiving meal. I'm sure it's fantastic. Yeah, you just don't want it on another Thursday. Just want it on that day. God, Correct. This, this take frustrates me. I'm with the texter. I will literally fight you over this take. Go to break. I'm punching him. I'm done. Somebody from the 314. Have you ever had pumpkin cheesecake? Oh, wait. Oh, that Vic. sounds awesome. Vic. Here, he, he tell you what, he's got some great cheesecake. Cheesecake, Vic? Yeah. Oh. Cheesecake's different. I'm talking about pumpkin pie. Oh, now you've got all these stipulations. Dry turkey, pumpkin pie, cheesecake. Enough. Thanksgiving meal. I'm telling you, have something other than your typical Thanksgiving meal. You'll enjoy the day more. Ribs, I say we turn our mics off. With Jamie Rivers and Alex Ferrario, I'm Brandon Kylie. Matt Carpenter's officially on the clock in a series for the Cardinals this weekend. We'll talk about it coming up next. We're back to the Ribs and BK podcast on 101 ESPN. You guys are funny, man. You're funny. 65780 is the air comfort <laughs> service text slide. We're going to tell you why Matt Carpenter is officially on the clock. We'll get to that here in just a second. Speaking of Matt Carpenter from the 618, this one just came in. Pumpkin pie is the Matt Carpenter of the Thanksgiving table. Everyone makes a huge deal about it, but it's rarely or it's really very mediocre. (laughs) 
That's not what ESPN has said. ESPN in promoting Sunday night baseball, which by the way, you can hear right here on 101 ESPN Sunday night pregame begins at five o'clock right here on 101 ESPN. Their way of promoting this baseball game, Jamie, is one of a kind. Let's take a listen. John Lester heads to the hill for Chicago to face the Cards RBI machine, Matt Carpenter. And Matt Carpenter delivers a big RBI single. Matt Carpenter, big RBI. the RBI machine. <laughs> so Matt Carpenter, <laughs> if he wants to keep his spot in the lineup, he's going to have to make good on that promise. Because right now, I looked it up earlier today, there are 132 qualified major league hitters since the start of last season. 132 qualified hitters. Matt Carpenter, among those 132, is currently 129th in batting average, 129th in slugging percentage, and 125th in OPS. In other words, he's one of the 10 worst hitters in all of baseball among qualified hitters since the start of last year. Jamie, he's running out of uh, out of time here. And eventually it's got to turn around. And for the next two weeks, while Dexter Fowler is on the injured list, this is his opportunity. Because I was listening to the fast lane yesterday and Brad Thompson was asked if you could take the over or the under on 15 starts for Matt Carpenter for the remainder of the season. What would you take? Here was BT's response to that. Carpenter over under 15 and a half starts for the rest of the season. And I wrote down tomorrow's date as the start date. And I think that this is going to go under. Under 15 starts for the rest of the season. Now, Jamie, I find that interesting because there is what? 32, 32 games 32, remaining 32. this season. Yeah. That means he's starting fewer than half of the games that remain. First of all, what would you take on that? And second of all, do you think we are seeing kind of the end of the rope here for Matt Carpenter as an everyday starter? <laughs> well, a couple of things play into this. This answer is one Dexter Fowler's out right now. And no matter what you think of Dexter Fowler, he's been the most consistent outfielder. That's not named Tommy Edmond who gets out there from time to time. So that alone right there means that what are you going to do? The young guys aren't stepping up right now. And so Tommy Edmonds out in the outfield, limiting some spots for some of the young guys. Matt Carpenter slides into third. Uh, Millsy, our guys, the DH. So I would have a different opinion here than BT, only based on the fact that Dexter Fowler's injured for a significant amount of time or injured, sick, whatever the case is, he's out for an extended period of time. So therefore it's going to leave a spot open for someone like Matt Carpenter. So I, I, we talked about it earlier. I'm going to go over the 15 games as far as a starter, uh, just because I don't see anybody else taking it from him right now. If all these young guys were, were hitting the ball solid that were participating offensively game in and game out and putting the pressure on, I could see Shilty making a move to say, yeah, Tommy Edmonds going to go back to third. We're going to put the young guys in the outfield. They're really producing right now. Right now, what's he going to do? Go to his veteran guy at $18 million and say, yeah, we're going to put guys in the outfield who uh, who aren't producing even as good as you are right now or about the same, and we're taking you out. That doesn't fly with a veteran guy. Yeah, and I'm taking the over for the complete different reason because he's the he's the Cardinals guy. They they love Matt Carpenter and they want Matt Carpenter to succeed. You got 18 plus committed to him next year. You're hoping that you can strike lightning in a bottle twice of what he did a couple of years ago. You heard Mike Schilt say it on uh, Carriker and Smallman this morning that he likes what he's seeing from Matt Carpenter, which I don't know what that is, but that the, if the manager likes what he's seeing from Matt Carpenter, then that just means you're going to keep seeing Matt Carpenter because they're hoping something happens, whether it's the walk or the patience at the plate. It's not the hits. That's the problem. But the Cardinals like it. 
I think you're on to something here with the outfielders too, Jamie, because eventually somebody's going to have to take that spot from him. And Tommy Edmond has basically taken that spot from Matt Carpenter, but the outfield has been so bad this year that they need him out there. Like Matt Carpenter, because he makes $18.5 million this year next, he's going to continue getting opportunities. They have real investment in him right now. So if Harrison Bader starts hitting, and we know Dylan Carlson's going to be playing regularly, so he's put him out there. And then one of Lane Thomas or... Uh, Tyler O'Neill starts hitting. Now you've got an outfield where you can go Carlson. Uh, let's say it's O'Neill. We'll just go with him. And then Bader and center. Then Edmund comes down to third base. Yeah, you're forced to you've, slide him. Yep. You've got better defense on your infield. And that's how Matt Carpenter gets knocked out of the lineup. But it's going to take at least two guys in the outfield to start hitting before you see Matt Carpenter removed from the lineup. And then when Dexter Fowler gets back, now you've got your everyday outfield. You've got Tommy Edmund at third. And hopefully at that point, Brad Miller's still hitting. We have no reason to believe that it's not going to continue right now. That's how he gets out of there. But I think it's as much on the outfield as it is on Matt Carpenter. Carp can continue struggling like this. He's going to get everyday opportunities because the outfield currently as a whole, the entire outfield, even with Dexter Fowler's 280 batting average, is batting 202 this year with an on-base percentage below 300. 65780, the Air Comfort Service text line. Uh, text from the 618 here. Money should not come into play. Okay, I would say that if we're talking about high school or college baseball, yeah. But this is a business, and the St. Louis Cardinals have committed a substantial amount of money to Matt Carpenter, and unless they're just willing to flat out come out and say, yeah, we were wrong, and it's going to cost us another $36 million in change because we're wrong, that's fine, but that's not going to happen. So the $18 million contract for this year and next year, and the fact that he's a veteran guy, I'm sorry, it does. It comes into play. The the veteran guy is a big part, too. And like it or not, the Cardinals feel like he is a benefit to this team when he is out there. Whether it's he's not hitting, they feel like his presence is a benefit to the team. And that's why you see him on a consistent basis making those starts. He's a benefit to the bench, but I think they feel like he's a benefit when he's on the field, too. Money's a tiebreaker. That's what it is. And right now, the tiebreaker is going to Matt Carpenter. He's batting 175 on the year. Tyler O'Neill batting 178 on the season. Dylan Carlson batting 176 on the season. Harrison <laughs> Bader batting 196 on the season. If those don't those don't increase significantly, well, then this is what you're going to see. Because when you've got one guy that's making $18.5 million and the others are on their rookie deals where they're under club control right now for less than a million dollars, well, then who do you think is going to be playing every day? And I don't have to agree with it. I would rather see these young guys out there because, yeah, okay, one guy, Matt Carpenter, is batting the same as these others, but these other guys have at least the potential to be better, and we haven't seen that from Carpenter in almost two years now. Uh, that's how I can view it, but the team doesn't view it that same way. Uh, they, I have nothing invested the in the Cardinals. Way, they right? have $18 million invested in Matt Carpenter. Well, and they also view it the other way as the fact of you're a young guy, you, you really haven't proven anything to me yet. If history tells me anything, Matt Carpenter has at least done X, Y, and Z right. for us as a club, and maybe he'll get back there. 
So, and it's easy to say that because, like you said, the, they're on their entry-level contracts or lower-end deals. Matt Carpenter's being paid out right now, and so you're going to go with the resume. You're going to go with the leadership. You're going to go with the veteran guy because you kind of have to in that situation because, again, everything loops back to the same thing. The young guys aren't performing well enough to force him out. With Jamie Rivers and Alex Ferrario, I'm Brandon Kylie. We've got five games over the next three days here in St. Louis. They've got one tonight against the Cubs. They've got a doubleheader tomorrow, and then they play again on Sunday, Sunday Night Baseball, which you'll hear right here on 101 ESPN, and another one on Monday. A huge series against the Cubs. The Cardinals have to get, have to get at least two out of five to really feel like they're still going to be in the mix here. They win three or four out of five against the Cubbies. Suddenly you're feeling like maybe the division is back in play. So a lot to talk about as we go along here on 101 ESPN. We will certainly recap it all for you guys on Monday morning. With Jamie Rivers and Alex Ferrario, I'm Brandon Kiley. We'll cross things over with the Fast Lane next. We're back to the Ribs and BK podcast on 101 ESPN. Alex Ferrario, I'm Brandon Kylie. I'm going to need a little Dylan Carlson three-day break from you guys after today's show. We need a break from your terrible takes. What are you talking that. about? We healthy scratched you a yeah. long time ago. You Jeez. just keep showing I'm up. I'm surprised I turned your mic back on. It's like on. that guy from Office Space where they keep moving him around and get him to the basement, but what he keeps you, showing up for work. To move you what to do you say room. you be? What do you say you do here? Okay. <laughs> what, what bad takes you have today, BK? Oh, we've had a lot of them. Which one would you like? Turkey. Thanksgiving sucks. Yeah, he hates pumpkin pie. Thanksgiving food's overrated. Yeah. Jeez. He says that it's, it's just dry. It's not good. What's like, not good? Turkey. Turkey. Turkey's delicious. He said yeah. pumpkin pie is just trash. That's true. Apparently, hey, BK I'll, has I'll somebody. I'll tell you, I don't love pumpkin pie. It's not good. I'll eat it because, you know, I'm a fatty. <laughs> but I, but oh, it's if not it's my there, favorite like If pie. it's the pie that is available, I'm I will I'm not going to call you it. and say, are you having pumpkin pie? Okay, I'm coming. Like, so here's I'm, my my stance on this is very simple, okay. BT. It's a bad one. If there is if there's a food that you have to have a specific day in order to eat it, you probably don't actually like that food. You're just telling yourself that you do. It's the preparation that's the pain in the ass. It's not the yeah. Food. But if I told you like at the Rivers House, we'll do it every so often, maybe every other month. Well, my will go to Thanksgiving dinner. It just be a small turkey, the the stuffing, mashed potatoes, gravy. Simple, right? Oh, yeah. I'm in, right? I'm coming See, to your house every we're time. We're not talking about me. the 50-foot-long table full of stuff and you don't prep. You have to do it up. No. You don't need a cornucopia in the middle nice. of the, the table. Great exactly. word. Exactly, but BK hates it. BK hates Why? Thanksgiving. It's you know what I it's love overrated. doing, too? I love uh, putting turkeys in the smoker. I love yes. smoked turkey. Okay, that's, that, that's different. I saw your beer can chicken, too, on 101 ESPN. Grilling at home with BT. It was impressive. I've heard some things about yours already oh that's dropping on Monday. <laughs> do you hear I can't wait. Did you hear about the two-way petting zoo? No. <laughs> you heard about the canopy, though, right? I did hear about yeah. it. And the clown? Yeah, all these things. But the animals pet you. It's actually kind of yeah. fun. You know what? I, I've always wanted to go to a place like that. <laughs> so am I invited next time? Uh, Rivers' house. We have multiple texts. Uh, 65780 is Uh-oh. the Air Comfort Service sex line. Hey, Jamie, what happened to the French accent? Oh, I was told God. that you were going to be using this throughout the uh, crossover today. Yeah. You I accepted was, it. I heard about this. I, yeah. I was listening. By, fantastic stuff with Holy today. Thank you. Not to be surprised. The guy is instant offense every single He's time. A legend. But it seems like you guys are very close and close enough to be within a, a limo <laughs> that you had to do a French accent the entire time. And I yeah. got to be honest, I have not. I've only played baseball with one guy that spoke 
spoke French my entire career. Uh, Maxim St. Pierre was oh, his name. Oh, yes, Maxim. Uh, and... Uh, <laughs> Uh, but he only had a little bit. So uh, what, what do you got for me? Well, PT, I'm very happy that you asked me. <laughs> this is a great situation to have such a TV star like BT breaking down my performance. <laughs> now, Maybe what, what we have it, cold beer. What is it that you love about this country? I mean, there's got to be something that brought you here and has kept you here so long. Thanksgiving. BT. Thanksgiving turkey. <laughs> You broke character a little bit. <laughs> I like the turkey and the bird with no fly. I like that one. The bird with, bird no, with fly. no fly. <laughs> what is this pumpkin pie? I became with this bad take. Yeah, that's enjoyable. Jamie, we, we left one guy to go today. And Jamie said, you know, I kind of understand why you like that unpopular opinion segment now. Because it's just, it's just you talking. And so it's nothing different from you. It's, it's just you nodding. Three. Yeah. Yeah. These are actually takes from a different page that you just utilize. This is no segment. I just throw a different title on that particular segment where it's like, oh, cool. Now I've at least got some cover for BT. what I'm going to say in this BT, one. I just told him, I said, we should just open up every segment for the three hours with this. Unpopular opinions. Everyone has one. Unpopular opinions with Ribs and BK on 101 ESPN. Three hours. But it's the show, not the segment. That's every yeah. opening. Okay. Three hours. Now, BT, I got a quick question for. First of all, um, my boys today yeah. turned 17. Twin boys turned 17 today. So happy, happy birthday. birthday, Ashton and Braden, baby A and baby B, big Haas and Braden. They look 37. They, uh, Haas is looking by you 43 or so. Uh, he's got full beard, maybe wife and kids. I'm not sure. Um, <laughs> but happy birthday to the boys. Hey, birthday party still a big thing at your house? Yeah, I mean, my kids are seven and four. Yeah. So they're doing a birthday party. So what, do, what does a birthday party look like for 17-year-old twin boys? It's actually pretty unique this year because uh, they said, oh, you know, things are different, right? Yeah, Circumstances are a little unique. They want to have the family together with Grandma. Grandma Peggy has got to make her appearance. Great. And uh, they want King Edward fried chicken. Which okay. is by far the best I've ever had. I've never had that. Fight me on it if you want, but it's the best I've ever had. I'll trust you. And then we're getting some sushi. <laughs> so the boys, as teenage boys, had unique tastes here. They want uh, fried chicken and sushi, like buffet. Fried, fried chicken and sushi? Yep. Fried chicken and sushi okay. and... A combination of champions right there. And pumpkin pie. And pumpkin pie. And turkey oh. was a close third, but... What? So pumpkin pie's in there? Yeah. <laughs> no. That's perfect. They went That's sweet awesome, potato man. pie. They went against Dude. Jamie's... No, no, no. no. Those boys. They know better uh, than that. They know better. Jamie, do you ever feel like, like, how do we get here? How are my boys 17 years old right now? It's crazy, dude. I think back to the day they were born, and which, by the way, my wife deserves a bit of a medal of honor here for several reasons incorporated with that. But the most important was my boys were born. They were premature, uh, about four and a half weeks, maybe a month early. Anyways, they left the hospital on time, like three days after. We drove home from the hospital with twins, and we had our daughters older. So my wife now has got a two-year-old at home. And twin boys, and I said, "Hey, honey, hey, you take care. Of, yeah, you know that thing that that training camp. With yeah, stuff. I gotta go back up to Detroit here. I'm Sorry. leaving you alone with three kids. You know, the first day you're home with the babies. Yikes. Yeah, she uh, threw several things at me on the way out, but it's all worked out. 
It's been great. To this it's heavenly. That's a beautiful thing. I did that too when my son was born. I, I was like, okay, I'm going to go back to New Jersey and make no money playing indie ball. <laughs> Love you. <laughs> we'll FaceTime. At least I was headed to Detroit. <laughs> we'll we'll FaceTime. <laughs> FaceTime, yeah, what was that? We were still on dial-up at that point. <laughs> So we had to go to a rotary phone. You, you get mailed a picture of your kids. Like, oh, there they are. Look at them. They've probably grown so much since this was taken. Chris is going to a payphone to call his wife to find out how she's doing. Send it to me in the morning. I'll start downloading it before practice and call you afterwards. <laughs> um, what's the best age, in your opinion? The most fun age for, for, for having kids? I don't know. I feel like every year has been kind of fun so far. And I'm getting, uh, so I, my son is seven and he's at the age where we do, you know, a lot of stuff. It's Nerf gun battles all the time when I get home. It's wrestling. It's baseball. It's a lot of fun stuff. Uh, my daughter's four and it's princesses nonstop. I, I got home the other night from doing the post game show and my wife gave me a heads up. She, she just said, hey, watch your step. When if you go into the downstairs <laughs> bathroom, just watch out. I was like, what? Did somebody crap on the floor? You don't want to clean it up? It's possible. My daughter turned the entire bathroom downstairs into a uh, boutique. <laughs> Dude, she had like shoes and dresses and flowers. I don't know. They're all fun, man. The ages are all a good time so far. What about for you to to this point? Wow, we've had so many different themes of birth. I tell you what, we've had that we've had a couple of Scooby Doo parties back Scooby-Doo. in the day, a SpongeBob SquarePants party, nice. which was kind of fun because I I said, you know what, I've got to go through this as it is. We're gonna have a good time with it. So, you know, the party Jamie here. I had a couple of cold ones, and I had SpongeBob theme song on cue, basically on the stereo, and so uh, things would be happening in the day, and I just go. Boom, and hit the button. Be like, Who lives in the pineapple under the sea? All the kids would be like, Spock, Spock, square, bed. That'd be it. No, we're done. Move along. To. So you this wasn't to. the birthday that you crashed where you were in a Speedo and you and your <laughs> oh, brother decided to that. take things over. I think it was oh, that so one. So you were many yeah. beers deep then. Yeah, and actually, uh, thank God it was at my house. There was a party going on across the street. I might have walked in on that one with the Speedo. <laughs> That's uncomfortable. <laughs> BT, what's coming up on the fast lane? Nothing as good as this. I'll tell you that right now. Nothing as good as the visual of Jamie walking into a neighbor's party in a Speedo. But we are going to talk some cards, Cubs. Uh, We're going to have Brett Hull on as well. So he'll be pretty good with us, probably. Uh, Chances are. We'll see if I can figure out more about that pink house he used to rent. Uh, We're going to have some fun. We're going to chop it up before the weekend. Have a good time. Well, that's coming up from 2 to 6. We'll be back on Tuesday. Excuse me, not on Monday. On Tuesday uh, from 11 to 2 right here on 101 ES. We'll talk with you then. Have a great weekend. Fastlane's coming up next. You have been listening to the Ribs and BK podcast on 101 ESPN.